What Radio, the music you want. With your host, Steve Dan. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live in living color from the Radio What studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous. It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, DJLittleRock.com. Coming up with the program today, Richard Deshaun Washington. Kind of excited to talk to him. He is a local Conway guy, made good, a local musician, local talent here in Conway, Arkansas. And uh, I get to go speak to him face to face. So we got got to look forward to that here on the program today. This week's shows for me, uh, my public show, my one and only public show this week is over at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. That's the Rab, my regular Friday night gig. Usually you'll find me there on Friday nights doing the video dance party, karaoke jam. Friday night at the Rab starts at eight o'clock. They got the full bar, kitchen. They got the pool tables, pool tournament going on. So if you want to maybe make some money on a Friday night, you can get involved with the pool tournament. It's all geometry, baby. Learn some math get the angles right put the balls in the holes and you hey yeah you you could probably probably uh you have a chance to make some money on a friday night the pool tournament at the rab also on the party patio more stuff to do there's the foosball tables there's a shuffleboard giant jenga game and there's also oh a checkers game out there and i think they have darts too so there's all there's a whole lot of stuff to do at the rab while you're waiting to have your chance at stardom and be on the stage and sing your karaoke song with little old me over at the rab conway arkansas Eight o'clock until almost two in the am. Be there Friday night. I'll wait. I'll wait for you. Now we start at eight o'clock. Be there. All right. Without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Richard Deshaun Washington. Hey, I get to go visit him at his house. Let's travel over to see Richard Deshaun Washington now. <laughs> Mr. Washington, Rashard Deshaun Washington. Make sure I say that properly. Make sure that I say that correctly. Yes, sir. Hanging out in your humble <clears throat> abode <laughs> in Conway, Arkansas. Man, uh, tell the people, give the people on the What Makes You Famous podcast a little synopsis of who, well, I don't even know what to call you. Start with what to call you and <laughs> what you do and and just a little bio of who you are, man. Uh, well, like I said, my name is Richard Deshaun Washington. Most people call me Deshaun. Family and close friends call me Richard. Didn't didn't matter. Uh, I was born like well, I was raised up in a small town of uh, Bigelow, Arkansas, Houston, Perryville, um, and uh, I just 
I didn't even know, you know, because like what I do now is I'm a mobile expert at T-Mobile. So like I sell phones and whatnot. But, uh, you know, it's just a, a good nine to five job to pay the bills. But something I always do is music. And I didn't even realize I could do music until about, uh, I'd say, 2015, maybe. I was always in choir, but, you know, I always thought it would be just like a singing thing. And then that'd be it. So, like, I'm... I'm still new to the game, I guess you could say. Yeah. So, Richard is family name. Deshaun is stage name. Yeah, it's my middle name. But it's, it is your actual middle name. Yes. It's a fantastic name, man. <laughs> and, and, you know, it. I'm guessing family gave you that. Probably mom or dad. Or who, who gave you that name? Uh, it was my mom. Uh, we have, like, a lot of our family has D's as the start of their middle name uh -huh. uh, my mother's name is Don uh, my brother's name is Dion uh, like his middle name is Dion my, uh, a lot of my cousin's name is like Devon or like you know Daisy or something like that and so it just <clears throat> I was just one of the long lineages of uh, people with D's in their middle name no I like the alliteration man yeah. you know get all the D's all together or for one photo alright Deshaun Devar D D Daisy yeah. you know, come on <laughs> yeah yeah and so growing up in a small town uh, how was life in Bigelow Arkansas let's start off with where you where you're from uh ain't gonna lie I mean, it's a great place. A lot of people knew each other, but uh, I started going to school, kindergarten and first grade there, mm -hmm. and uh, it was it was rough because it's even though it's a small town, everybody knows everybody. It's still kind of like a uh, a racy type of town. Um, yeah, and, and, I mean, every town has its good and its bad, mm -hmm. but. Uh, as a kid growing up on the bus, uh, I was called a lot of names, names that would be way inappropriate to say on this podcast, and uh, very derogatory names out of my own name. And so, uh, like going kindergarten, first grade, I kept getting called those names on the bus. Didn't know what that word meant. We were going to refer to it as that word. And so... Uh, after first grade, like, I was like, well, you know, I don't know what this word means. And so I told my mom about it, and she dealt with it in her own way. Uh, I'll never forget how she dealt with it. But, uh, yeah, she dealt with it in her own way, and she tell said, we're moved. <laughs> you want tell me to the tell the story? Tell the story. You can leave all the, all the naughty parts <laughs> out. No, hey, so, I'm from Miami, man. A big melting pot. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody loves everybody. You have to get along. There's 7 yeah. million people all living in one city. You yeah, have to is. get along, or else it's going to be uh, a fire. You yeah. know? But uh, I got here to Arkansas, and I experienced pretty much the same thing. I was kind of... What is all this? Yeah, it's a whole different world here so in Arkansas. How did mom uh, take care of the situation? <laughs> so, the it was a kid. It was a teenage Hispanic kid on the bus. And he was sitting next to a Caucasian kid. And he was at the front of the bus. And the way that the bus driver made the bus was young kids in the front, older kids in the back. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it'll be like high... Because it was... Small town, high school kids and elementary kids basically went to the same school. Oh, it's just okay. two different buildings right across from each other. Yeah. Graduating classes up at Bigelow are like 30 people. And compared to Conway, when I graduated, it was like 603. Okay. But um, 
so the teenage Hispanic kid was at right behind the bus driver. And so that's where my assigned seat was. But whenever those two kids got in trouble, I was the only one that didn't have like a third person sitting next to me and my friend. And so like my friend moved and then both of them had just sat there until I found another assigned seat. And so on the way to school and going back, they would, you know, they would try to as a kid I wouldn't know what a friend really was like a true color kind of friend and what I mean by true color is like somebody who's looking out for your best intention like actually being nice but they were being fake nice and like making jokes but laughing and so I was like oh they're just cracking jokes and then they would start talking about me after a couple of days of them still being behind the drivers they started calling me that word Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know what that word meant, but I heard it before in a bad sense. And I was like, huh, I've heard this before, but they seem like my friends or whatever. And I was like, maybe maybe they mean it in a good way. And so after so long, I went to my mom and I remember I was sitting on the porch at my granny's house. It was my mom, my granny and uh, my uncle, my two uncles. And we were just sitting there. And it was just a casual conversation. It just popped up in my mind because I just got off the bus. And I said, hey, mom, uh, what does this word mean? And the whole conversation just stopped. Everybody just went silent. I was like, why Why are you asking about that word? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, when I go to school, these two kids, they call me that word. Like, not just once a bus ride, but like multiple times. Mm-hmm. And so my mom was like, where do you sit? What do you mean? And so I was like, I sit right behind the driver. And she was like, my mom was like, does the driver not say anything? I was like, I don't think she hears. I don't know. And so she said, my mom said, these words, she said, well, tomorrow I'm going to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay. I mean, all right. I didn't know what it meant. And then, like, right before I went to school the next day, the night before, she was like, just go to school normal. Don't let those kids call you that word. If they say that word, tell them to stop. Mm-hmm. And if they don't stop, don't worry. I'm still going to take care of it. And so she didn't know that the kid was a teenage kid who had gotten in trouble and had to sit behind the drivers. She thought that the kid was like another younger kid, like my age. I was around maybe seven or eight. Mm. And so uh, me and my uncle rode the same bus because he was like maybe I think he's about think he's 10 years older than me Mm -hmm. and so i was in first grade he was in 11th and so we rode the same bus back to the house we came up the street to get to the house and i had called back to my uncle and i was like hey do you see mom at the end of the driveway and he was like i do what is and that's my mom is my uncle's sister and so um she was at the end of the driveway and she was like you know She's holding a drink in her hand. I can't remember if it was like a water or whatever. But she was holding a drink in her hand. She came up on the bus and told me and my uncle said, stay where y'all are at. And then called me up to her and said to the bus driver, the bus driver was very startled. I'll never forget. It was like a whole, it was like a whole movie scene. And so she had sunglasses on because the sun was hot that day. And she looked at the bus driver. She said, "Uh, so there's been a, another child on this bus calling my son the n-word and um it seems that you're not hearing it so i'm about to figure it out myself mm-hmm. 
And so the bus driver said, well, I don't, you know, want no trouble or anything, so go ahead. So on the whole bus full of kids, we were like the second stop. So only like two kids got off. She yelled out on the bus. She said, all right, I'm Rashard Washington's mom. I've heard that one of you have uh, called my son this word. Mm -hmm. And so she said, say it now who you are and we can we can deal with it and so she was looking around nobody said nothing she said okay Rashard is the person on the bus today I said yeah and she said point to him and I pointed right there like not way in back of the bus not in like you know the middle of the bus it was right there behind the driver's seat and it was the you know kind of chunky Hispanic kid mm -hmm. and so she looked at him and he said and she said so you've been calling my son the n-word mm -hmm. and in his tracks this was the first time we seeing somebody like actually lie he was like no 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 ma'am i wasn't i was calling this kid the n-word and it was the other caucasian teenager that was sitting right next to him right and so it was like in my head i was like no well not even in my head i looked at him and said no you don't you don't call him that I sit in the middle of y'all. That way y'all don't fight. And you both of y'all just call me that. Like, I guess I'm your peace of mind. You know, the little mm -hmm. man in the middle. Because y'all joke about me. But you're the reason y'all are both up here is because y'all fought. And so, my mom looked at the driver and said, he's sitting right behind you. How do right. you not hear it? She said, well, the motor is going on. And she cut her off so quick. She's like, I don't want to hear no excuses. And so she said to the she said to the kid, she said, if I hear you're calling my son that word ever again, it's going to be some problems. It's going to be some problems, not for you, not just for you, not for just the both of you, but for the school and your families, because we're going to have a problem. And she said, do I make myself clear? And they both said, yes, ma'am. She said, if I have to come on this bus again, it's going to be some repercussions. And she she said, let's go. We walked off the bus and. That's that's a story that I will never forget. It, at family gatherings, we talk about it a lot because it's. I mean, it's funny now. It was funny back then because when we got off the bus, like my family, we joke around a lot, and so they were like, "My mother's name is Kim." They're like, "Kim, I know you didn't just get on that bus and do that." And she was like, "Yeah, I did, and I'll do it again. Nobody's gonna call my son that. Matter of fact, we're finna move." So, so Richard, any repercussions from that? Uh, you know, I know you're a seven-year-old kid. You're following your mom's directions. You point right at the kid. Uh, any did anything happen after that? Um, in in that time? Uh, no. I had a uh, got back on the bus the next day, and they were sitting there, and I looked at them, and they looked at me, and for some reason, I guess with you know talking to my mom the night before. I had a different kind of look because I wasn't just like the happy-go-lucky because I knew it was a bad word. And I was like, and she she told me that night, she was like, look, they're not your friends. They're calling you names. They're being super mean to you. And if you if you try to like be nice or smile around them, they're going to keep doing it, thinking that you're just, they're going to try to trick you and say, oh, well, we didn't mean it like that. Your mom's just thinking like that. So she said, go on the bus the next day and just have a stone-cold face. So she taught me a face that I now do whenever I don't want people to like mess with me it's just you know a, a f the eye as we <laughs> refer to it as a family it's it's an eye that like if she gave me like in the convenience store or like Walmart or something like that 
I would I would act, sit up straight and act right. Mm -hmm. And so when I got on the bus, I had had my backpack on. I had looked at them and I wanted, you know, I had some other friends around that I knew in my class. And I wanted, you know, like, hey, what's up, guys? But everybody was like, hey, Richard, are you okay? I didn't say anything. And I just looked at the two. And I said, I said, my mom's coming. My mom's coming for you. And they were like, I forget the bus driver's name, but they said, Miss, can we go to a different seat? And so, yeah, this story is letting me know and letting the listeners know that Richard, at an early age, seven years old, in first grade, Richard, you, you lost a little bit of your childhood right yeah. there. You had to grow up a little bit. Yeah, you learned, did. You learned a thing that kids that age should not know. The world should be a happy place for children. You know, all the way till you know, teenage life, really, you should be able to shelter them. Take them to be, if you can't take them to Disney World, be Disney World. Make yeah. them feel good. Let them play. Let them be happy. But this took away some of your happiness. And you told me a little bit of, in that story of why you told me how the kids were were seated in the bus where it was younger kids in the front and the older kids in the back, which makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And then you had these two older kids in the front. And all through the story, I'm wondering why are there those two older kids in the front? And you told me, you said it, they were fighting. So they were already problem children. Yep. So the bus driver knew that these kids were doing something. And yeah. she, she, he... She she should have been more vigilant uh, in, in that respect and keeping an eye on them and making sure that the little kids were protected. Little Richard, little baby Richard, <laughs> man. No, and I, I know I'm making light of it, but this is a thing that needs to not happen. All right, this is yeah. this is bullying from a, a young age, and it caused a little pain, but maybe maybe a little creativity came yeah. from that okay that's a little piece of ooh, heartache <laughs> how did you deal okay uh, and you say and you already alluded to it that mom said not only are, are we getting out of the situation we're moving to another city where'd you go we went to conway conway arkansas so we i finished first grade there and then uh the next summer we stayed where we were at we were staying with my granny at the time because my mom was finishing nursing school so we stayed at my granny with my granny and then we just, you know, relocated to the Conway School, Jim Stone. Yay, mom's a nurse. Mom's a nurse. My mom's a nurse. And I, I was an EMT for a long time, man. So mm -hmm. I can appreciate the medical field. People helping people. Oh, yeah. So, how, you know, mom, obviously, tough lady, you know, and yeah, takes, care of, takes care of the kid. Uh, now, only child or? Uh, I have a brother. Brother, okay. Yeah. He's 10 years younger than me. Younger? Wow, yeah. 10 years younger. How was that growing up? It... it you can see the difference in generations whenever because I because you know I always wanted a brother and I I'm, I love my brother it's just seeing the difference between both of us because as a as a kid before my brother I was thinking I was like oh I see two kids in the household even though one's older than the other I'm pretty sure the parent raised them exactly both the same like probably the same age same words same phrases it's not like that and then like i would ask my friends after like when i was like 16 i was like does does your parents like do the same thing with you as they did uh you know with your older brother They're like no my brother or my sister always says you got it easy because for some reason after the second like the second child is like a lot more relaxed in the household yeah. and so I'm like 
when I was a kid, like it was a lot of tough, tough, uh, tough things, like a lot of tough uh, lessons being taught. But I mean, I don't see as much now, but it's still, I still being taught. She's still, you know, a tough love mother who like does everything for us. But it's difference with the with the discipline. I'm the oldest child of three in the house. Uh, I had a younger brother, a younger half brother, and a younger stepsister that lived in the house. Mm-hmm. And I know, yes, for the I, okay, I was only for the first three and a half years of my life an only child. You were for the first ten years of your life an only child. But yeah. they always treat the oldest just a a little bit harder. Yeah, it seems because they really haven't learned how to be parents. Or, man, they want to protect you. They, they want to make sure that you're doing it right. Listen to me. Uh, you know, I'm going to beat your bottom. Uh, you know, listen <laughs> yeah. to me. Like, hey, my mom chased me down the street with shoes, uh, sticks, whatever she can uh, handle yeah, if yeah. I was getting out of line. I, I don't know how it was. All right, first 10 years of your life, you're an only child. How was life? And you got to Conway uh, three years before uh, you, you had the brother. So seven years old, you get to Conway. <laughs> I mean, it was... You know, first ten years of life, it was it was it was good. It was nice. I mean, not a lot of ups, not a lot, I mean, not a lot of downs, but like a lot of ups, I guess I should say. Uh, there was nothing really wrong. I just, I mean, first ten years of life, I had a lot more Christmas presents. All right, <laughs> but you know, Conway, Arkansas, slightly bigger city than Bigelow. Bigelow probably had uh, less than a thousand people in it, and then Conway, Arkansas, boasts fifty thousand people on the sign yeah. that I've seen. Uh, and you're, what year do you think this is that you're you're coming to Conway? I would say two thousand and four. Yes. 2004. Because yeah. you're quite a younger man than I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm 50 years old, and, and I graduated in 86. So, so 2004, tell me how life in Conway, your experience, going to a bigger city, did it feel better? Was it, were you treated at least a little better? I was treated a lot better. Uh, accidentally, again, the, the, the innocence of a child, I told uh, a teacher you know, what had happened and why I had moved. And I told her in, like, confidence. I didn't tell her in front of the whole class. And I told her that, and she was, like, you know, stunned by the fact. She was like, you'll know. You're never going to get that here. And so um, I'll never forget her name. Her name was Mrs. Jones. And so uh, she always, you know, made sure I was okay, made sure I was, you know, had everything that I needed, um, and helped me, like, pass the first part of elementary, like, second through fourth grade, like, with straight A's all above 95 I was like she could and she was she asked me she had like did I have these type of grades at my old school I said no like there was a time in first grade where uh my first grade teacher had handed me the test back and I had like you know 62 on it and oh. I looked at my same you know I looked at my friend and he had the exact same answers as I had and had like a 95 and so I was like, so I asked, and I asked the teacher. I remember asking the teacher. I was like, "Hey, uh, he got a 95. I got a 62. Like, was there was there you know, anything wrong?" She was like, "Well, I just didn't like the way you answered the questions." Was it essay questions? I guess or no. It was multiple choice, and it was some spelling. And I spelled the words right. Like they asked, like, "What's the definition of this word?" And I would say. Like, say it was a cat. I was like, it's a four-legged animal feline. Right. 
she didn't like how I spelt it, meaning the way I wrote it, which means like the I guess the your penmanship. Yeah, yeah. So like the the my letters and everything didn't look as good as my friends next to me, but we wrote almost the exact same things. And so for penmanship, you lose you, you lose thirty eight points. Yes, a lot of points. Yeah, but it was huh. again that school. I mean, I'm probably probably sure it, it's a lot better now. My cousins graduated from that school like after I had left. Sure. And so, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's a lot more better than it was. I'm not gonna say like real super up to date, but uh, hopefully it's better than it was when I went. Yes. Um, but with Conway, it was like a whole bunch of new people, like. The people on the bus at Bigelow was five times as small as the classes I was in. Because I was used to just being in one class in Bigelow. Being in that one class from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. when we was going. But when I got to Conway in the elementary school, I had like five classes in the same day. And you're changing classes. Mm -hmm. This is going from small town to a slightly bigger town. I don't don't consider Conway a huge town, but maybe medium-sized, small to medium-sized, the college town. So you were having to switch classes in grade school. This is unusual to me. I, I always felt like, I mean, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale and, and, you know, in grade school in, in Miami. And I, I always had one one classroom mm-hmm. all the way to sixth grade, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but you had to switch classes. Yeah. How did that, how did that feel? How, how did that make? It was different because I kept seeing different people. It was never the same people really in the same class. I'd say about every class had 80% different people. And so, like, I had a reading with Miss Lawrence. I had home class with Miss Jones. And, like, it was science uh, I can't remember the science teacher's name but we had different subjects with different teachers and like everybody taught different I would see new people every day and it, like it was so much bigger at the time I was very taken aback Richard it makes it makes me think that it was harder to make friends and and develop relationships deeper deeper relationships it's not just with the, the teacher but also with the students next to you yeah, I figure if you have the same classes as a younger person, you can develop better friendships. But if you keep having to switch, what? Uh, I mean, or or am I just projecting? I mean, with some with some people, like I saw that you know they would come to class and leave class, and that was basically it. Like when I mean that, like I would see them when they come in, sit down. And then my focus would be on the teacher, and I'll see them when they got up and left class. Basically meaning, like, they would never stand out or, like, ask any questions, or they would just be there. Mm-hmm. They would do their work, get up, and leave. And they weren't really, like, energetic about anything. I mean, no kid, I didn't like school, but no kid liked school. But, like, me going to a bigger school, even when I was at the smaller school, I was very, like active and very friendly with anybody and everybody and so at this school the only thing that changed was the amount of people I could be friendly with Mm -hmm. and so the playground at Gemstone was smaller than the one I had at Bigelow but 
it was it had like three different recesses and so like I got to see a lot of people got to sit by a lot of people at lunch and so going out with friends like they were all people coming up to me first instead of me coming up to them and it was like a new thing uh well, it was good. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like friendly. Yeah, it, it sounds was like very they were wanting to be friends with Richard. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's super friendly and like that's good. Even if in, like maybe it wasn't just me. It was just them being like, "Oh, there's a new kid. Never seen you him." You got it. Yeah. Yeah, you get to be the new kid. You get to reimagine yourself, reform yourself. Yeah. I was only the new kid. I think maybe three times, and and, and I tried to reimagine myself, but I always ended up being the you know the big <laughs> the fat white kid. You know, or, or I mean half Cuban, but. I always pass for the white kid. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Richard, we're we're growing up with Richard Deshaun Washington, man. We're <laughs> we're learning a little bit more about the background, how you developed as a as a human being, and, and so the, this is up till through grade school. Tell me more if you have any more. Uh, I mean, the the years coming like there wasn't there wasn't much changes. Mm-hmm. Um, Develop any friends? Uh, you yeah, any I had a I had a uh, friend. His name was uh, what was his last name? <laughs> I just I, I mean his name was Ben. Okay, but his last name is escaping me. We were we were friends from third grade up until about tenth grade. He moved, um, but we I remember uh, I'll never forget a conversation we had in fifth grade. We were going over uh, it was Black History Month. Okay, and so we were going over things. And so, like, there was a time where, like, the teacher, the teacher was really laying into the history and, like, actually saying, like, this was bad. Not a lot of good stuff happened. No. Like, if there was, <laughs> if there was any good, it was because it was agricultural and she would say something like, the, like, the farming industry was booming, which is good for the you know the people but it was a bad way to go about it and she right. said like if if everybody was free and everybody was doing the same equal amount of job work and it had the same you know agricultural uh you know type building and booming it would be better but the fact that people enslaved other people to to do that was bad and so like she would she would hold no punches and she would go into it right and so like I didn't learn that at Bigelow. Black History Month, two, I had two Black History Months at school, at right. Bigelow. We didn't do nothing. We just said, hey, it's Black History Month, February, and then nothing. And so, going to Conway, when I hit fifth grade, they would start talking more about it, because, you know, second through fourth grade, just trying to make sure you being a stable kid. And then fifth grade, like, they said that, and it was like a couple of days later, like, it really went in and made me be like dang like this is what happened you mm-hmm. know and so me and ben we were going to pe and we were talking and he said man i just want you to know i don't care what color you are because if we were friends 60 years back i will still treat you the same as we are now and mm-hmm. i was like you know oh like i really appreciate that you know we don't know how it would have went down 60 years ago because we weren't alive. But, like, right. him saying that let me know that he was, like, a true, genuine friend that really just didn't see my color. I went from a school that obviously saw color and did not like the color to a city that was like, I don't care what kind of color you are just as long as you're good people. 
Yeah, so, you know, I grew up in, in Miami, like I said, and, and I had black, white, red, brown. Everybody was in the same class, and I didn't know that there were different colors until really close to high school. And that's how, how it was back then, and I wish that everyone grew up that same way. Now, you were talking about Black History Month, and then you alluded that Black History Month started with the history of when black people or African Americans came to America. Was is Black History Month ever taught where, hey, let's talk about Africa. Let's talk about, you know, the beginnings of life. It has been. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't know the curriculum. Lately. Yeah, it, it has been. Um, hit or miss depending on the teacher and how far back knowledge they have. Right. But even the teachers that didn't have that much knowledge, they would say, let's do some research. Like, I remember 11th grade, we did a history topic. It was go... Like, go online, I'm going to assign you an African country, do as much research as you can, and you're going to do a five-minute presentation about it, and this mm-hmm. is the criteria. You got this, 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 and this. You got to cover all of it for a good grade. And so that, like, for people, because most people that know African countries, they either say South Africa or Egypt right. or stuff like that, but, like, she would give us countries that we was like we didn't even know this was the name of a country right and so there will be so much more to not only learn yourself to tell but like see how the people if they could tell you good things about them there were good presentations there were bad presentations the good ones taught a lot more than bad ones because they did a lot more research they wanted that a so they told everything but like even the bad ones made you want to be like, I'm pretty sure there's more into this country and yes. you want to do research. So it was a uh, doing that helped a lot with like knowing about Africa and then what happened before and then whenever we came across seas. So it's, you know, it helps. Oh, it's amazing to me how many people still think Africa is one country. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to the country of Africa. There are so many <laughs> nations in there, man. That, you know, and it's not just South Africa or Ghana or Nigeria or Ethiopia. Ethiopia has so much rich history. Yeah, in it, it you does. Know, and Egypt even is in Africa. You know, so you got to know the geography of things, man. Uh, you know, there's so much culture there. And I, I met a lady at the beginning of this week. She, she, her job took her to two separate countries in Africa, and she told two completely separate uh, stories about each country. Said, "Man, these people were like this, and those people were like that." And I was like, "Oh, all right. So it's not <laughs> all the same, you know? It's no, not, it's the the difference between uh, United States and Mexico as opposed to United States and Canada." You know, United States and Canada, pretty much the same. United States and Mexico, pretty different, yeah. even though we're right next to each other. So what did you learn? What was your presentation, if you remember any of it, uh, to uh, parts of Africa? Uh, I believe my presentation was over Egypt. Egypt. Um, it's one of the first songs I ever played, Egypt. Egypt. <laughs> yeah, I Freestyle, remember that baby. song. <laughs> um my my basic like my whole topic around it was yes it's an african country mm-hmm. because most people like they say south africa madagascar ghana nigeria they'd be like oh those are uh african countries but like people think egypt is just a whole different world of its own mm-hmm. and so 
In some ways, it is. Yeah, it, it really is. There's his, so much history there; it's been lost. Yeah, you know, over time, it's it's a lot. Uh, I remember um, a couple months ago, actually, I was at work and a lady came in from Egypt because she was teaching English there, and so one of my coworkers was like, "Oh, like what? Uh, what country is that in? Like, you know, well, not country, but she's like, what continent is that a part of? Is that Europe or is that like South?" America and I like looked at. It, I was like, "Do you not know Egypt is Africa?" Mm-hmm. Like, and, like, and she was like, "Well, I thought it was just something like a part of its own self." I was like, "No, like, no geography." <laughs> but but no, uh, geography hard. I, I still don't know geography. Even in this, <laughs> even in Conway, I don't know geography. It's, Conway, it's, Arkansas, is where we're at. It's tough driving here in Conway. It's not a lot of great drivers here in Conway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my topic was like, Egypt is an African country, and here's what it's about and so like my bullet points were the history the present uh the like economical the financial and the people and like their their practices um the history of it a lot like you know basically was the pharaohs and you know king tut and them and everybody uh the present is that there's so much more far like advanced than they were I was just trying to pass I was like my basic stuff I was like they're much more far advanced than they were they still you know the pyramids of Giza uh, the great pyramid um, like the people are incredibly nice like I I don't remember everything from my presentation sure but it was about five bullet points mm-hmm. and I made each bullet point last about a minute 30 with nothing but like each slide had a each topic had about three slides to it. Yeah. And so I wanted to tell as much as I can because we had two weeks to do it. So it was like two weeks I can get so much. Yeah. So. And you put effort into it. You put yeah. some facts out there. I, I, what I really have to know and what the listeners are probably asking, which aliens built the pyramids? I'd say the, uh, <laughs> the aliens of... Uh, not the Milky Way galaxy, <laughs> but uh, there is a star out there that, uh, you know, they say life's out there. They've been, you know, 115 super Earths, so we're looking for those super Earths. Maybe, uh, maybe from one of those Earths, the aliens did build that pyramid. So. All right, Richard Deshaun Washington, <laughs> we're, we're learning about outer space with you uh, <laughs> as visited by through Egypt. <laughs> and building pyramids. I know. I just brought that up as fun, <laughs> for fun. All right, man. You're you're a little kid, and you're doing your schoolwork, and you're trying to be a good kid, and you're getting along with Ben, yeah, good okay. friend Ben. All right. And uh, all right. What happens after after you get into middle school and high school, and wh- when do you start getting your extracurricular activities and and learning things? How to become a, a an adult human? Uh, middle school, seventh grade was. A little rough for Uh-oh. me. Uh, the only reason why I say rough was because, like, that, I guess that was the grade where I was trying to, like, I guess, quote unquote, find myself. Uh, I tried to go with the bad crowd, like, because I was like, well, you know, they seem like the cool kids. And so there was a time where, like, for a good three weeks in a row, because they had said something, they was like, you know, washing clothes is stupid, and whoop 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 And so there was this light, like, super light blue jacket that I love. I cannot find it. Uh, but there was, like, a white shirt I would wear every day. I would get <laughs> on the bus, I would wear the same white shirt. 
I wear the same blue jacket. I'm switch up pants because I was like, I don't want to be in the same pants. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wear the same white shirt and then I got like a small stain on it. Uh-huh. And so my mom kind of took notice that I was wearing the same stuff. And she took me to school one day. She was like, is that that same shirt you wore yesterday and the day before? How long have you been wearing this shirt? And I was like, for about like a week and a half, two weeks. And she was like, what? No, I should take you home right now, but I'm going to let you go to school with that stain on your shirt, and people are going to ask questions. I don't even want to ask about the underwear, man. No, I changed the underwear. (laughs) It was just the main stuff that I was like, well, up here, like, I mean, why do I have to change clothes every day? Like, I'm just going to school, but that was because of that bad crowd. Um, And I remember it was a pep rally, and the choir was singing the national anthem, and so... I was at I was, I was at the top risers with them because they like to sit in the far back that way they could do whatever they wanted to do, mm-hmm. and so when they announced it, it was like all right, and the Carl Stewart Middle School Choir is going to sing the national anthem, mm-hmm. like I mean we all went ah oh, yeah choir stupid yeah yeah yeah, and so like I was thinking in my head probably everybody else as well was like they're going to sing the same note of the national anthem just like in unison. And it wasn't. It was harmonies, it was melodies, there was different ways to do it. And I, me, myself, I was like, that's pretty cool. And I was like, you know, I was like, and I was, I love to dance. And so, like, my biggest influence on music was, like, James Brown, Michael Jackson, and Prince. And so, like, they all are great performers and entertainers. And so I was like, man, that's cool. I was like, if I could sing like that and put harmonies and everything, like, that would be great. But with the wrong crowd, it was like, oh, man, quite stupid. And I was like is it though like is it really is stupid it? Yes. like i mean they can sing and they they make people feel with what they what they did because they made me feel and so little by little i started like distancing distancing myself from that group and so uh about eighth grade it was about i'd say october no i'll say september october um I was just like going back to my normal friends again. They were like, you know, what happened? I was like, I was dumb. Um, but I remember getting approached by Alexis Fisher and Treshawn Johnson. And they had asked me, they were in choir at the time. They were trying to recruit for choir because the uh, choral director, Mr. Husky, he wanted to like get more people in choir. Mm-hmm. And so during the recess, they came up to me. I was like, hey, Rashad, you like singing, right? I was like, yeah, like I'll. I sing a little bit. Why? They was like, you should join choir. I was like, what? Like, why? And so they were like, you, you still thinking about the bad kids? Bad choir, stupid. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, I was like, you're torn. In my head, I was like, oh, y'all sound so great, but I don't think I can sing. I was like, dancing is my thing. They're like, well, just come to choir. If you like it, you can stay. If you don't, you can go. Mm-hmm. And so I went to choir, introduced myself, and Mr. Husky had me do like some uh, like vocal exercises, see how high I could go, see how low I could go. And he told me, he's like, oh, I'm going to make you a, 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 a bass, like a bass two. I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. He's like, you're just going to sing the lowest notes of the song. I said, mm-hmm. okay. And so after so long, I loved it. Like there was uh, um, two friends I made, uh, Terrence and Evan. Both of them, like we were the close-knit group of the whole choir. And so I was a bass and they were tenors. And so we would like, you know, there was a, an event where we had to basically sing a song by ourselves. And we picked our friends who we wanted to sing with. And we like got together real quick. And we sung Boys to Men, a uh, song for Mama. And so like after that, I was, I was just like, man, like I didn't know. 
I was like, hearing people do this is great, but being in the same group and hearing it like right in your ear is a totally different feeling. Yes. And so, like, this all a cappella. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so we went uh, to a thing called All Region, and uh, what All Region is is there's parts, there's different regions of the state where choir kids go and compete, basically. And so they get either top 20 mixed choir or top 20 male and female. Top 20 mixed choir is what you want to get in because that means you can go to state. And so in eighth grade, I was just in time to join. I had a lot of learning to do really quick because I wasn't even like a part of the choir yet because I didn't even put it on my schedule. But I went during I made a free period for third period just so I could go to choir. And so they fixed my schedule in the second semester. Um, but I went to all region and I got like 14th chair, mm. which was crazy for somebody who just came in a month ago to learn the music. How many chairs are there? Uh, it's 20 chairs oh, and okay. mixed choir. So like making 14th chair. So you pass right up a few. Yeah. Like I, cause male and female, uh, choirs is usually, you know, for the beginners who's like, they got a grasp of the music, but it's like not yet right to blend in with everybody mm -hmm. but the people because when you go to all region you go into a room and there's a person that says you know this song accompaniment only and then you sing over that there's a blue sheet and i remember it's always the blue sheet of death because you never know who's on behind it you never know who's in front of it if you're the judges and so that way because you could have the same you know teacher at your school behind that blue sheet mm -hmm. you won't know until after they won't tell you what room they're going to be judging because then they're going to know your number and they could be like oh this is this is my student i'm gonna rank them high mm -hmm. so the blue sheet of death was like you could be in your class just top notch and the best but once you get in front of 200 other kids you don't know who's behind that and your teacher who's like oh you're the best will be like oh no this is not good and, you know, and it would only be them boasting you in class to help your confidence. But once you got behind that sheet, it's nothing. And so I made top I made top uh, 20, made 14th chair. Mm -hmm. And so after that, my uh, choir teacher was like, man, like you actually like have something with this. Right. What grade and was this? This was eighth grade. Eighth grade. And right. so. I could have went to state, but it was too early for okay. me. He wanted. He was like, "This state's a whole different level of region. States with everybody," and so uh, I didn't go to state. And kept going to choir, and we had a spring concert. And then, like right before we summer hit, he pulled me, Terrence, and Evan to the side, and was like, "Hey, there's this thing called choir camp. It's called ACC Choir Camp, Arkansas Choral Connection." Mm -hmm. And um, I want y'all to go. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pay y'all's, you know, tuition to go. It's a week-long camp from Monday to Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, you practice songs all through the week, and Saturday you have a concert. And he said, I'm going to pay y'all's way to go. And I was like, all right, cool. And so I didn't know that it was like 300 and some bucks. Mm -hmm. But he gave a scholarship to us. You could Certain choir directors could give scholarships to certain students. And so... I went and it was my first week of 2011 and um, well, it wasn't 2011, it was 20, yeah it was 2011 and so I went, it was one of the greatest week of 
my whole year. I'm I'm a counselor now at this camp. Um, but the first week I went, I was just having fun, doing everything. I did the talent show. I danced and everything. They they was like, you're like one of the first people to actually do something other than sing mm-hmm. at the talent show. But that was because I wasn't confident in my singing. Right. And so, like, I was in a lot of... They take videos. There's uh, camp videos. And so, wherever the camera was, like, if it was on me, like, I'd like, be, like, super energetic. And not just because, like, to just bolster around. I would just be, like, having fun. Like, this is fun. Right. So, we get away from home with... 400 kids and it's like just fun time and so i remember uh the concert day i was sad to go i was like oh, i don't want to go like i'm singing this song and it's gonna be it and so um somebody's calling me i'm like not i know who's calling me but um they um they announced it's like well we have scholarship winners there's a um honor camper and an outstanding camper so the honor campers got a hundred bucks to return next year. Yes. So if you came back, if the if the price was three hundred and fifty, you only had to pay two hundred fifty. And so it was my first year as a camper, and I was like, I mean, you know, I'm probably not gonna get no scholarships because I was my first year. But I ended up getting outstanding camper, which is a two hundred dollars scholarship to come back, and I was. I was like, wow, like, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big thing. I was that like, feel good. Yeah. You got accolades. Yeah, it did. Because it was my, like I, was, like I said, it was my first year, and I was super excited. I was like, me? Like, out of all the people, because it was it was seventh through ninth grade, and then tenth, no, 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 seven, eight, nine, mm-hmm. ten, eleven, and then twelve and thirteens, if I believe. It's, it's, it's yes. one of those. And so, no, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 through 13. And 13 was the grade. 13 was the grade as, like, you just finished high school and you're going into either college or whatever you want to do. Yes. Um, so I got the 7th through 8th outstanding camper. And so um, it was it was amazing. I was like, wow, like, this is great. And I told my mom. She was excited for me. We went to Genghis Grill. <clears throat> to celebrate oh, and so nice. like the next year I was super excited to go back I was like oh, I ain't got to pay that much money and I got $200 off that's great and so went through the next year the same thing dance at the talent show but I did like a different type of dance I did a dubstep dance okay and so I was like man like you know somebody, what was the first type of dance that you did eighth grade? like like freestyle like you know just just dancing around. around, yeah. Yeah, to the beat of the music. Mm-hmm. A mm-hmm. little pop and lock, maybe? Yeah, trying to. <laughs> it was, I was I was thinking that I could dance back then. Thinking you know? James Brown, Michael Jackson, yeah. Prince, still in the back of your head. A lot of that. And now, so... Yeah, now the, previous to eighth grade, you alluded to it in the beginning of uh, of the podcast. Did you have any musical training? Did you, you said you sang in church a little bit, maybe? Uh, Anything where you stood in front of the church and sang? No. No, or just not singing at all. along with singing people, along, and singing along. some hymns and gospels. Mm-hmm. All right, I would continue. Just go with we're, going, <laughs> we're going to ninth grade, man. You're a star already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that second year camp, I got outstanding camper again, two hundred dollars. Yes. Um, and they said like it, it usually doesn't happen twice, like at all. Twice you don't get it twice, and so I was like very honored to get it twice. Right. And then the third year. Well, that happens a lot, even in the in the uh, uh, what is it the the, the Emmys, the Gra- no the Grammys when they they get best new singer, 
you hardly ever hear of them ever again. Usually, yeah. that's the kiss of death. Yeah, some, you know, it, it's just been in my experience. Because so over much the years. pressure. Yeah, to oh, be better. Than you that. had your whole life to make that first album, and you made it great. Now you've got a year or two to make your next album. Do just as good yep. and better. Yep. Oh no. So you're you're hitting. You're doing fire two years in a row. Yes. Excellent. It was it was like a whole new thing and. Um, like ever ever since then, like every year at camp, like when I was a camper, it was like I was just looking forward to that. I always the UPS truck would take a long time to ship the DVDs. We go from one week in July, uh-huh. and we wouldn't get the DVDs until like middle of September, and it was just a hard time because I was always looking forward to the DVDs. But um, well, those four hundred kids that are in school with you are in at camp with you. Mm-hmm. The, did you get to see them in school, and did they treat you different, or was that your your troop, your your group of people? Like, yeah, in a way, um, but those kids at camp were kids from all over Arkansas, sometimes yes. different states. Yes. So seeing people from different cities like kind of opened up the world to me a little yes. bit more. Um, it was because I saw people from Atkins. Uh, I saw people from Texarkana. I saw there was one girl who came all the way from Dallas because she was just looking up choir camps, and we were the first ones to pop up. And so, like, there was some, I remember one year there was somebody from New York because they wanted something, like, way out the way. And then they came three years in a row after that. So it's, I mean, it's a life-changing camp because now I'm a counselor. And I would, even if I moved halfway across the world, I wouldn't make time for that one week. Because next year, I think, is July 11th through the 16th it's it's one of those and we're doing the 90s theme so it's like every every year is a theme right. I remember my first year was Frogstock so it was like Woodstock yeah Frogstock Frogstock okay <laughs> so, so you're doing music from the 60s maybe uh well yeah kinda but it's like basically like a, a hippie type of week like a lot of it we made tie-dye shirts people the, the teams were made of people that were like very 60s, 70s related. Yes. Um, there was there was frog stock because the the mascot of the choir is a frog. Okay. And so there was frog stock. There was a game like game night. Um, basically, like having games like game related uh, teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was Disney. There was uh, oh, I can't remember. There was Disney, there was some other ones. It was a road trip, like taking a road trip. So there was New York as a team, there yes. was California as a team, there was Florida as a team. And so um, last year, it was, uh, what was the theme? Oh, I can't remember the theme from last year. <laughs> well, but Richard, it sounds like this, like <clears throat> summertime, was a big part of your life. How about yeah. the school year? Uh, you know, how was it after eighth grade, after you went to this camp, you feel a little bit taller when, when, in yeah. your shoes a little bit? Yeah. Uh, singing in the camp boosted my confidence in singing in a hole. Because um, ninth grade was like my first introduction to like musicals. Yes. And so I saw Hairspray was like one of my first musicals that I ever saw. And I was like, man, this is a great musical. Yes. And so ninth grade, they were doing Hairspray as a musical at Conway. At Conway, And so I was like, oh. You know, at first I was like, I don't want to do it. But I had a, my girlfriend at the time was going to try out. She's like, you should audition. Like, you'd like to dance. You like to sing in choir now. Do it. Which is new. Yeah, she's like, you should, you should go. 
and um, the director, Mr. Sp- uh, I call him Mr. S because his last name was always hard to pronounce, Mr. Spear Digalozzi or something like that. Uh, okay. He um, <laughs> he was playing around with me because uh, my girlfriend asked him, was like, hey, is it still time for him to audition? I was wearing a Homer Simpson shirt with him wearing headphones. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, uh... Well, I like your shirt. I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll make time if you want to audition to sign up. And so I was like, so we were both like prepared to just get backup roles. Like we were like, all right, we're going to get like backup or like stand background characters. Right. And audition and my uh, choir director, Mr. Husky, he was there and he told he told the director, he's like, look, you need to cast him as lead because I sung. And my acting, he really loved my acting. And then my dancing was like, I didn't need you to tell me five different times what this move was. Like, I could see you do it once or maybe twice. Yes. And then I could just follow along with the music. Like, if you do it with the music and I'm like, all right, choreography, let's do it. And I would do it quick. And so they they had like a little, a little not I say argument, but they had like a little, you know, both of them had opinions. Right. And it was basically... Usually seniors get the lead. Well, yeah, and, and Hairspray, I, I know it's it's about a girl and then her mom, who's generally played by a guy. Yeah, John that, Travolta. John Travolta, and even before that, it was Divine, a famous you know, drag queen, drag uh, star. Yeah. So I, what lead is there for a male? I mean, like Seaweed. Okay. And See, Link. I don't know the, the, yeah. the movie yeah. well. You know, my, so, my, my musical is West Side Story. There, I said it. <laughs> so, like, Hairspray is um, there's Penny, there's Link, there's Seaweed, and there's Tracy. Mm. So, those are the big four leads because you see them a lot throughout the whole movie slash musical. Uh-huh. And so, they told uh, my choir director, was like, you know, cast him as Seaweed. And you can get an older person as his understudy. Mm-hmm. And being an older person, like like maybe like a junior or a senior being a freshman's understudy Ooh. was yeah, it was Burn. it was yeah, it was a little uh little something something <laughs> to be upset about, a little salty. Mm-hmm. But um I became friends with the person that was my quote unquote understudy later found out that he wasn't. It was just somebody that was just there to be like, Hey, if you mess up, I'm gonna take your part because they assigned him to do that well that's what understudy is yeah if you can't do it then they got to take over yeah but i've later found out that he never was learning my part the director really just hired him on he was he was like a background character the understudy was but the director hired him on and be like hey if you tell him if he messes up you're going to take his part but you're not going to take his part because mr husky and everybody else just believes that he's going to you know do good i still have my doubts Uh and so smirk my first year in a musical didn't know what was going on right and so the other three leads penny link and tracy were all seniors i was the only freshman to be the lead so i was like this is this is kind of big and so i remember the first show like went over so great like it was practicing it and going through the dress rehearsal like sometimes we would it was from four o'clock to seven some rehearsals but like the the week before the show we didn't get out of school or like home until like maybe 10 o'clock 11 o'clock because we were making the set 
practicing on the set, making sure everybody's placement was good. And so, like, I was tired that first show. I was like, I don't even know if I can do it. Right. But we did it, and it was a great show. And How long did it, did it take to prepare to do your first show? Four months. Four months from, to prepare. Mm-hmm. And then you did a show for how many people? I'd say the first crowd, I think they said it was like maybe 400 100 wow. people in that in that auditorium. So it was the biggest crowd I've ever performed for. It's little baby Richard in yeah. ninth grade, uh, you know, one of the leads in Hairspray and yeah. performing in front of 400 people. How do you feel? I was nervous. Uh-huh. And it, I mean, it could I I I love to act and so it was nothing to like get into somebody else's shoes so to speak and perform as somebody else, but like, because I could remember the lines really quick and I could know the lines, but it was still performing them right on cue was still kind of hard that first show. Because I was like, this is the first time where it's it's for real. There's no, I mess up and I say, hey, can I do that over again? It's either do it right or it's going to go down in flames. And I remember the first show, uh, Seaweed does a song called Run and Tell That. Mm-hmm. And so... We were going over the cues and everything, and I was still trying to learn to count music in my head and not on paper. And so they did the lead-in, and I was like, I think I got it. And then I started early. I was like, I can't see, and I had to stop. And I was like, wait, I know the beat, and it didn't hit when I sung it. I was, and I, was, I said, I can't see. I was like, wait a minute. Then I can't see. And then like it went from there. And so after that, because after that song, it was intermission because it was a big choral number. And then after that, they had to like take a little break. And so after I got off, I was like super nervous. I was like, oh, no. I was like, I hope like nobody is going to say that was bad or whatnot. Everybody was like, oh, my gosh, it was great. I was like, did y'all not see that? I messed up. They was like, yeah, but you played it off so well. Like you didn't you didn't go like, oh, no, like, oh, no, this happened. But you were like, you know, you're like, wait a minute. I'm going to come back. And you came back stronger. Yes. As they said, they was like your first few notes was like kind of off. And then I guess they because I remember uh, my choir director, he's like, your first notes were off when you messed up. But I think you noticed that, and you were like, nope, got to make it better. And when you came back on, you came back strong. And so that was that was good. I feel like since you came back strong, those first few notes were erased by the end of that song that they, they wouldn't yeah. remember. And so, like, that was a great thing. And for that first, we did a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday morning, and Saturday night. So we did a total of four shows. What? It was, yeah. It's, wow. Whenever, whenever Conway does musicals, they now I think they're up to six, I believe, shows. But wow. when I was there, it was four for that first that first time, and it was it was it was great because I mean, Hairspray is a uh, it's a movie about race, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, so like to be in a movie with that and actually my first musical be something that can be so much soul so much power behind the message i was like this is great and i want to keep doing it so it was you know it was great first that ninth grade was my lead into more 
wanting to perform and sing. That's when I kind of yeah. got into the singing. Another pivotal year for yeah. Richard Deshaun Washington right there, ninth grade in Conway, Arkansas, high school, a freshman in high school, singing with the big kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness, making the big kids, uh, you know, shining. Now, that's a mark of a true performer. You are your own worst critic. You saw that you made a, a little bit of a flub, but then you strive to be better throughout yeah. And how were the next few performances? Any flubs on those or no? Uh, I would say no intention. Like mm, there were flubs, right? But it always seemed intentional because uh -huh. there was one. Because um, you know the musicals and the movies, they kind of you know they don't they don't stray so much or stay so much on how the movie was. The musical is different whenever you're okay. like in front of live people, and so. Um, there was one time where we were talking about chicken and waffles. There was a scene. Mm -hmm. And so it was, I think it was the last show. So, like, basically, everybody who's seen this show has seen it, and they just want to see what we're going to do. What you do with it. That's right. Yeah. And That's so right. there was one scene where we were, uh, we didn't tell the director about it. We were like, we're just going to go out there and we're going to do it. And so we were in... Um, I forget Queen Latifah's name in the movie, mm -hmm. but we were in her like little record shop and we were talking about, you know, the march that we were going to do the next day. And so Tracy and her husband had just walked in and um, when they walked in, it was like, oh, we got chicken and waffles and all that. And they had like a bag, but the it was like one of those old school Burger King bags with the Burger King logo was on one side and it was just brown on the other side. So it was like, we're going to bring this out. And when where I was standing, Mr. S, the director, he was standing in on like a stage right, and so I could see him being like, he was like doing it. He's like, "What's going on?" Like, what? They, he's looking around, like, "What's happening?" Right. And so, what we did, like, there was no, that was true to me. I was like, "This is us really acting because we're doing everything improv, basically. Okay. Like, we're giving, we're doing what we're, we're doing what we're getting." And so, whenever they was like. He, uh, the husband asked, he was like, who wants some chicken and waffles? And me and like three other kids, I'm like, oh, us. And so he's like, he grabbed the bag from Tracy's hand or uh, from the mom's hand, like threw it at us. And we got him. He was like, oh, and I had my mic on, but the other two around me didn't. And so we were like, oh, man, this is some good chicken and waffles. Man, I haven't ate since last night. What you talking about, man? We're talking about what is So we just kind of went off. And so there was like 30 seconds of nobody else talking. Because everybody was listening to us and we was cracking people up. It was it was great. And then we turned around. I turned around real slow. Because I looked and I was like, well, are you, you going to say something or should I say something? And they pointed at me. They was like, you should say something because you got the point. I was like, oh, yeah. So I was like, I turned around real slow. I was like, I'm... I'm sorry. Am I missing something? And I like, just kept going. And in that time, like it was, like everybody cracked up. And I was like, all right, well, you know, y'all, y'all keep going. I'm gonna go off. This, I'm gonna go off uh, outside and eat this bag. So I went out, <laughs> and Mr. S. came around. Came around. And he was like, if what y'all didn't do wasn't so funny, I would be so mad. Correct, because it could have thrown everybody off. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. you got to stay on that script. you got these words that people have memorized. Yeah. But on the last performance, you decided to play with it a little bit. Yeah. And, and I, that that could have gone could have gone bad. It could have <laughs> gone so bad because we, like, it was so, because... There was actual food in the bag, and if we would have dropped the bag, like we would have been like, "Oh no!" Uh, and then we had to plan it right to where the, the people who knew, because right. they said, "Who wants some chicken and waffles?" and like we would raise our hands, sure. and then they wouldn't throw the bag. 
And so, like, whenever they said, who wants some chicken and waffles, this next person would speak. So we told the next person, we was like, look, he's going to throw the bag to us. Right. You don't speak until, like, after we're done. And they right. were like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Like, okay, I will wait good. until, until you, you had be it well like, planned. Yeah. Yes. So, Fantastic. like, the only thing that was planned was throw the, throw the bag. After the bag is thrown and everything's like everything dies down, then you speak. Okay. Everything in the middle or right before it and after it was just up to us. Improv, basically. but planned improv. Yeah. yeah, that way that next actor wasn't left with oh. I don't yeah, know. like what, like what's going on? <laughs> we wanted to make sure that the that the uh, show would just keep going on, yeah. and the crowd, like we would know everything, like. For people who didn't know what was going on on right. the stage, it would be like, "What's going on?" And so, but the crowd would think, "Oh yeah, they meant to do that." Well, well and you had a little something, like I like you said, it was the last show, and there were a few people that had already seen some of the previous shows. They yeah, had a little something extra. Yeah, look so, at you, Richard, <laughs> giving them a little extra, you something got to, more, you got to. and that's what you do, Richard Deshaun Washington. <laughs> so I mean, man, these are the early stages of you. This is what formed you into the performer that you are today ninth grade all right keep going yeah, yeah i mean uh any other musicals anything else that you did yeah the whole ninth through twelfth grade i did uh every musical that came around i did it uh tenth grade we did uh we did beauty and the beast oh, that's nice. um and then eleventh grade you were we the did, beauty right no no i Come was on. i was the father i was the father of of the beauty nice uh, singing in that one as well yes wow, every cool. every musical that I was in I got to do a little that, that was singing. a dumb question on my part it's a musical <laughs> come on there's lots of singing um and then uh let's see yeah 11th grade we did Peter Pan nice um I was the chief um like the Indian chief that was that was in the movie okay. and then uh 12th grade we did Footloose and that's that's doing Footloose mm-hmm. was a a big pivotal point because like I said, with ninth grade, the the leads are usually the seniors, and so I was a right. senior. And once they announced the musical, everybody was like, "Oh well, for sure it's gonna be Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Like I'm gonna be the lead." Right. And, yeah. and I was like, in a way, I was like, I can see it because the movie's all about dancing, and y'all know how much I love dancing, and there's nobody else in this school that loves dancing and singing as much as me, and so. Like we went on, like it was a tough time because I went through the audition. Mm-hmm. They wanted me to do a callback, which in that like instance, there's only one callback, and that's just to be like, oh, you're gonna get this part, you're gonna get this part. Because if you didn't get a callback, you were just gonna be like maybe some background characters or mm-hmm. the singing, the background singing. And so I was like, all right, I got the callback. He wants me to go through everything. And so every time that I auditioned, ninth through eleventh grade. For my audition song, I had to sing something a cappella, and it was always Michael Jackson. It's Michael, Michael, Michael. Uh-huh. And so for 12th grade, my first audition song was, um, you know, Michael Jackson again. And so they were like... Well, what song? He had about 100 hits. Oh, uh, Rock With You. Rock oh, With You was my... Yes. Yeah. We're going to 70s, Michael. <laughs> my, that's my favorite. That's my favorite Michael, yeah. man. Yeah, it is. He's, that was a great era of Michael. Yeah. But... Um, the choreographer, because the choreographer and some of the other people really, like, believed in me. And the lead um, from Peter Pan and Beauty and the Beast, she had came from uh, Nashville. She stays in Nashville now, but she came from Nashville. 
to see you know everybody audition and stuff she came up to me she was like look you sing beautifully mm-hmm. but everybody in there thinks that all you do is michael so tomorrow I don't care how much you got to practice, find a song that's mm-hmm. hard to do that's 80s because they're thinking that all you can do is Michael and you're not going to be able to fit for this role. That's their main concern. Mm-hmm. Don't be a one-trick pony. Yeah, so, so, I was like, so I said, dang. Okay, so I was like, let me look for a song that's 80s and difficult to sing. And so this was another step that kind of boosted my confidence in singing. I was looking all night that night and I was like, top like 80s song that's upbeat I want to sing something upbeat and so one of the first things that popped up that I liked actually was Take On Me by AHA ah, and nice. so I had never heard the song before I was like greatest okay. video of all time yeah it's a great video I uh, listened to the song that night and I was like I can't I can't sing this and I was like this is this is tough because that high note I was way like, high I, yeah I was like I can, I can never sing that high note and so the next day uh, the callbacks were Friday, so I had mm-hmm. it was Wednesday the audition, so I had Thursday night to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Thursday night I was practicing it, and I was like, "Well, this is the only song I've practiced, so I might as well, you know, just try it out." Mm-hmm. So I went to callbacks, and I was like, "All right." And they asked me, and "I was like, all right, we need uh, we need Rashard Washington to come in here and um, you know, do his song." So I came in there, and I was like, "All right, is it okay if I pull up the lyrics?" Yes. And they were like, yeah, it's fine, but I'm surprised you need lyrics for a Michael song. And so I was like, in my head, I was like, <laughs> y'all think it's Michael. And so I was like, it actually is not Michael. And every, and like everybody went, hmm? And so the people that came up to me, the choreographer and Jessica Taylor, the one who was like, uh, moved from Nashville, or came from Nashville, they were sitting in the front row and they looked at each other and was like, hmm, let's see what he's going to do. And so they were like, all right. What are you going to sing? And I was like, I'm going to sing Take On Me by AHA, the first verse and chorus. And they were like, you're going to sing the chorus too? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to see what I can do. And so everybody was fine with the verse. Mm-hmm. But when the chorus came, I saw uh, Jessica and the choreographer. They were like huddled real close. They was like grabbing onto each other, hoping I hit the high Strap in, note. waiting yeah. for it. Come on, here we go. And so whenever I started singing... And I got to the uh, chorus, you know, the take on me, like the the judges are the the core director and the director. They were both like into it. So there's like, take on me. And it kind of threw me off for a second. I started laughing. They was like, all right, we're not going to do that. Just keep going. So I did. I kept going. I kept going. And then I took a deep breath before singing that last part, that normal, like I can hit that note. Yes. And then... Uh, I, there are two like I hit that note I'll and I hit the yeah. Yeah, yeah and so I hit it and I like whenever it got to the chorus I put the phone in my pocket to be like alright I'm confident in what I'm about to do yes. and so I started like moving around and dancing with it and doing like dances that he did in the video yes. and so when I hit that note after I hit it it was silence for like five ah, seconds and I was, like, I was like oh no I didn't hit it right and everybody went like that was awesome and like people because it was like me on the stage by myself and other as everybody else in the lobby waiting on their turn and they were like people from the lobby had opened up the door to listen it was like somebody singing take on me yeah, so they were clapping too and so the choreographer and jessica both got out of their seats and came and like gave me a hug and they were like oh my gosh it was so great and so i left 
And so after somebody leaves, it's about five minutes before they call the next person. After I left, it was like 15 minutes after they called the next person. So I was like, everybody was like, well, they're probably just taking a break. And so after they uh, called the next person, Jessica and the choreographer came out and they were like, the choreographer was Caucasian, Jessica was black. And so the choreographer, her face was all red, but it wasn't like out of embarrassment, but it was like anger on her face. And Jessica, you could tell because she's usually a cheerful person, but she was angry too. Oh no. Yeah, I was wondering, I was like, what's uh, like, what's going on? And so I went up to Jessica, I was like, hey, you okay? She was like, no, I'm not. Oh. I'm not, I'm not okay at all. I'm, I wanna go, but I'm gonna wait until after all of this is done because I wanna talk to you. And I was like, okay. And so like right then I was like, oh, you wanna just hang out and chit chat. I didn't know that she wanted to talk to me as in like she needed to lay some stuff down. Um, so it was after a while, it was near the end of the callbacks the director called me in and he was like, hey, um, Richard, I want to, you know, run this by you. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what's going on? And they told me, and I'll never forget, I was in the back of the auditorium with them. They was like, all right, so we started through for this musical, we want you to be a, a dancer. That's what you're going to be is one of the dancers. Mm. And so they were like, you'll, you'll still, like, you know, be in a lot of rehearsals and you'll still get some singing parts, but you're just going to be a dancer for this one. And I looked at it and I was like, so no no name, basically. Like, I'm just, in the, in the credits on the, on the book, it's going to say, dancers, I'm going to be with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't me trying to be like, I'm going to be like everybody else. It was me, like, specifying, you're telling me, that I went from being leads and having my own roles to just with the rest of the pack. Mm. And I was like, this is my senior year. This is not what I wanted to do. I wanted to stand out. This is, and then I just, like, I stopped. And they were like, we know, we know, we know. It's, it's you know, and we're doing this musical because of you. Because, like, it's your last year and you want to dance. But at this, with this, you'll be able to dance so much more. And, you know, you'll have some more fun parts. I was like... I don't care about just dancing. Trying to smooth it over. Yeah, yeah, they were trying to do that. And I was like, I was upset. And I was like, no. And so Jessica and the choreographer, they both got up and walked out. (laughs) And so I I looked at them. In my head, I was like, is this what they want to talk to me about? I was like, maybe it's something else. They probably wouldn't have known because they would have told me. And so they kept kept trying to smooth it over. They were like, we promise you're going to have so much more fun being a dancer than you would have been, you know. Kevin Bacon, I was like, I don't, I don't think so. And so the auditions was like in December. So it was near the uh, end of like the semester. And so, but when I went back outside, like, I ain't gonna lie, I cried. I was like, dang, like they, how you gonna tell me you're doing this musical for me, but you're giving me a non, non non-important role. You're just giving me a dancer. I could not be in one of these dances and nobody would know the difference. Yeah. And so Jessica and the choreographer, they, they talked to me. It was like, that's what we were going to come talk to you about. Because they said it. They ran it by us. And we said, the choreographer even said, like, I'm going to quit. Like, why are you not going to give Richard the lead role? Like, he was made for this role. And they gave the role to somebody who 
could not. I'm not being. I'm not trying to be rude because everybody thought the same thing, and like it was. It was just very apparent. He could not dance. He was new to singing, so his singing was. It was good, but it wasn't like all the way up there quality, and. It wasn't just me being like, and I know people probably be like, oh, he's probably being salty because he didn't get the starting role, but it was everybody. It was very known. Mm-hmm. And so whenever the, you know, the the casting list got put up and people looked at the, the lead where Kevin Bacon was and they didn't see my name, like, even the people that didn't do musicals came up to ask me how I felt about it. And I was like, I don't even care. I was like, I'm going to do it. I know you, because people was like, I wouldn't even do it if I were you. They're trying to give you a basic, basic, basic role and still want you to perform at star quality. Like, you don't do it. And I was like, I'm going to do it because, I mean, it's my last musical. I'm going to do it. And so uh, people were people were upset for me. But, like, I'm not a, I'm a person that doesn't get phased very, very much. Mm-hmm. It phased me to do that because, like, I remember the day before winter break for Christmas break. Sure. Like, it was it was kind of dull because people kept coming up to me, oops, excuse me, asking me, like, how do you feel about it? Like, what are you going to do? Like, you know, are you upset? And I was like, yeah, I'm upset. I'm mad. I'm, I'm very sad. I'm devastated. But, I mean, it's nothing I can do. I'm not an understudy for this guy. And, right. uh, you know, I've never seen him before. But, yeah. Do you know who who that was? Who got yeah, the lead? Yeah, I, I don't want to say his name. I think he was on this podcast. If it was the same year, uh, what do you mean? Was it Joel? Yeah, Joel Fountain. Yeah. Hey man, I've talked to him. I talked to him for about about three hours. So you're getting. Hey man, and if you haven't heard that that podcast, you'll get to hear the other side of the story. So this is a man who. And this is Richard becoming Deshaun, man, the star of the show. Yeah. You've been the lead, and this is how it hurt you, man. And, yeah. And, and I, I know Joel, Joel Fountain. He, he's in Sideswipe. He's the front man of that band. And so, I mean, you're both local musicians, and I'm sure you run a, a, a run into each other from time to time. Yeah, we do. And, like, I have no quarrels with him. There's nothing wrong with Joel. He's a great guy, great uh-huh. singer, great performer. And back then, I still have no, I had no beef with him at all. I was just sad I didn't get the role. Yeah. But the director came up to me at one point after a rehearsal, like, and he said, can I talk to you after rehearsal? I was like, yeah. And so he came up to me, he's like, hey man, um, people are saying that you're upset that you didn't get the starting role. I was like, yeah, that's true. Yes. Like, very, I mean, that's as plain as the sky is blue. And like, he was like, yeah, and people are also saying that you're like, you're talking about beating up Joel. I was like, no. I was like, I was like, what do you mean? Like, that's so that's so Tanya Harding to do. Yeah. I was like, I'll never beat up somebody else because they got that role. I was like, I'm not the type of person to fight, like mm-hmm. to start a fight. No. He's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah. Why wouldn't I be sure about something like that? I have no beef with Joel. He got the role. Yeah. Y'all liked him better than I. There's nothing I can do about it. I was like, I'm just dealing. I'm, I'm playing the cards you dealt me. Mm-hmm. If somebody else got, <clears throat> if you looked at the cards and gave them better cards than I, I can't do nothing about it. I just have to, I'm, it's not like I can be like, oh, let's have an act off, sing off, dance off to see who's better and who should get the roles. Like that's, yeah. that's petty. It's like, I'm just going to keep 
living my life and do the musical. Right, show and, must go on. Where's yeah, you You're, you got a part in this in this musical. It's not the part you wanted. Yeah, it might not even be the part you deserved. You know. And they gave they try to make it better because they were like, okay, the the beginning of the song is you know the. His foot loose like that that you know iconic song yes. and they were like instead of everybody singing it you're gonna sing the first solo part like you're gonna be the show opener and I was mm-hmm. like I was like okay whatever okay I'll do it yeah I was like whatever <laughs> consolation prize yeah and so they was like alright we're gonna give you this and then you're gonna be the lead dancer whenever mm-hmm. these rehearsals are going on like you're gonna be in the front and I was like I was like we'll see and so there were some rehearsals where I would be in the very back and the director would come in and be like, hey, where's Richard? I'd be like, oh, I'm back here. He's like, why are you in the front? I was like, because I'm not a lead dancer. I'm just a dancer. Yeah. And y'all only want me to be in the front. That way it makes me feel better. And so <laughs> like, he was like, no, no, no. I told you, you're the lead dancer. I was like, no, because I'm learning. If I was a lead dancer... I would be doing different dances than everybody else. But you see, it doesn't matter if I'm in the front, in the back, or the left, or the right, or in the middle. I'm doing the same exact dance. So it doesn't matter where I'm at. If you want me for something, then you can call me up, and I'll do that dance. But for everything else, no. Now, previous to this, you've been in choir, so I know where you've learned how to sing and and develop that talent. Where did you learn how to dance to develop uh, that talent? Eh, I would. I mean, it kind of came super early at a super early age. Um, watching MTV, I guess. Yeah, watching people. Just I would listen to music. And I would dance. I I wouldn't call it dancing at that young age. I've mm-hmm. looked at videos of me dancing <laughs> before, and I'm like, oh no! Like it was just basically like a kid having fun with having rhythm. You know, enough to be like, all right, one, two, three, four, I can dance on these beats. You kept to the beat. Yeah. Wait, but, that's a lot more than a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the control of my body to, like, do super great dance moves wasn't all there. Because, again, I was just a kid. I was just a child trying to, like, you know, dance. And so, uh, I mean, but other than that, like, it was just starting at the early age and learning as I grew older. Yes. And so, I, a lot of things... Choir, choir taught me how to sing in a way, um, you know, the vowels and everything sure. and how to control my breathing, but it didn't teach me how to really sing because I could look, I can look at notes and read music. I can be like, all right, that's do, that's so, that's T, that's far, whatever, and I can sing those notes. Oh, you can read music? Yeah. Where did you learn that? In choir. Oh, okay. yeah. I didn't so, know they did that. Oh, yeah, I they, they did. Yeah, yeah. I never so, been in that <laughs> so we had to like learn to read music because, you know, at a point it would be like, all right, some of these songs are hard. You're gonna have to look at the music, but some of these songs are easy. You're gonna look at the music, write down the solfege, the do, the do to do, and then after that, you're gonna, you know, take the music away and sing it. So we had to learn to read the music on point, and um, so that was something that helped me with my singing but it didn't help me like because people say if you join choir at a young age then your other types of singing is going to be affected because you're going to be so closely knit to choir singing and the choral music and trying to open your mouth wide for certain vowels your 
if you try to sing pop or anything like that, you're not going to sing it the same. And so you don't sing it the same. You no, sing you, it Deshard's way. Yeah, uh, Deshawn's way. Yeah, but, I, I see. I mixed first and last <laughs> name up. No, this is we're, we're learning how Rashad, Rashard became Deshawn, and Deshawn is the front man. Deshawn is the star man. <laughs> so yeah, you don't sing rock and roll the way that a rock star sings it, man. You no. sing it Deshawn's way. Yeah, because I don't, I don't strive to be like anybody like I know growing up I did a lot of Michael Jackson songs and people were like oh he's trying to be like Mike and there was a time after he passed I was like I'm gonna get Jerry Curl like Mike I'm gonna start performing like Mike here's how it's gonna go who would want to be like Mike (laughs) (laughs) I mean it was it was like after he passed like that first year I was like I want to do this just like him and I was like yeah no I want to do something different I still want to dance like him. Right. I didn't know about the singing part because I didn't know if I could sing. Well, but there is a career to be made as a Michael Jackson impersonator. And yeah, that there could is. be something. Yeah, you can you can make a lot of money from that if you're in the right profession and you sure. do it right. But that's not what you want. Yeah, that's not what I want. And like, I have a lot of musical influences and people that I look up to. Where I'm like, you know, I want to do it like them, but not be them. And so um, I was listening, you know, I would listen to Michael, listen to Prince, listen to James Brown, listen to a lot of old school singers and look at them perform. New school, like new school now singers, they, they have a different way about them to where their performances are basically super theatrical, I guess you could say. Um, less, less like importance on them and they're moving around the stage mm, and more okay. importance on the background and what's going on behind them. pyrotechnics yeah. uh, screens with images going yeah. yes and so like people like kiss and you know aerosmith and motley Crue and like how michael did it and bruno even now he's a now singer they the performance is them it's them the band and maybe sometimes with bigger venues they'll have pyros but they won't have that much because they want you to focus on them you're there for them and you're paying to see them you're not paying for the extra hundred thousand dollars they put in pyrotechnics or something like that there's a reason why kiss and aerosmith are 70 years old and still doing it exactly because they're good yeah because they put put the effort in yeah they pay people are paying to see them and that's they started with just them and they're going to grow to forever be known as the people whose music was great. Mm-hmm. Like, even Ozzy Osbourne. Like, he's a great person who... His music is him. Like, you're not focusing on all the big stuff behind him. Mm-hmm. And so, when I perform, like, people will say it. Like, I don't like to stay in one place unless it's like a soup, like a slow song. Like, you know, maybe Tennessee Whiskey or Hallelujah or something like that. Where it's standing in one place... And just doing the vocals will be so much more powerful than if I was moving. Um, but like a lot of upbeat songs, I will move almost on every part of the stage if if able. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's just, that's something that I want to do. If that and that's like James and Michael and Bruno because they use every part of that stage. Oh, yeah. But they're dancing and 
my dancing is kind of like Michael and James's because I, you know, first two people I saw dance for real. Yeah. And so. And they had great moves, man. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And so, like, that's my influences. But <clears throat> I started singing a lot of Michael, and then it got to the point where people would. I got the nickname Little Michael in like <clears throat> in middle school and high school, and so after graduating. And people will still be like, oh, hey, it's Michael Jackson. It's little Michael. I was like, I don't, I don't like that no more. Mm-hmm. And so... He wanted uh, to become Deshaun. Yeah, so I would stop singing Michael Jackson songs so much. Because every time I went to karaoke or something, I would do like Billie Jean or mm-hmm. Thriller or something like that. And I'd be like, you know, I'll do all these Michael moves. And so people were like, oh, that's you're the guy who sings Billie Jean, right? And I remember it, it was like this time last year. I got tired of hearing that. I was like, no, I sing other stuff. Like, I'm my own person. I'm not just that guy who sings Billie Jean. And so that's when I started to, like, say, if I ever do Billie Jean, it's probably just going to be, like, once a month or once every couple months. Or, like, if I have a performance, like a three-hour set, I'm going to do it near the end. Like, Michael may not even come out until the end of the set. That way you have everything else. And if people stay, mm-hmm. that means that I did good doing other things. Yes. And then I get to Michael. I don't want being, I don't want Michael to be the only thing you're here for. Like, some people be like, oh, man, sing Billie Jean. Because I like, I put a lot of performance in that. Yes. But they stay for everything else. But Billie Jean to them is like their favorite song that I've done because I do my own stuff with it. That's your signature song. Yeah, to, so to some people. You mentioned karaoke. When did that start for you? Uh, what year? 20... Was it after high school? Or it was after high school. Oh, I, had, okay. I had to be 18. So after high school, what did you do? Uh, I went to UCA. Hey, I started what did doing, you want to be when you grew up? I started doing radiology. I'm still, I'm going back in the spring to finish everything, but... uh, Mom said medical field. She let me pick whatever I wanted to pick, but mm-hmm. I was like, medicine makes a lot of money, so I want to do radiology. You got that right. It's, and radiology is great, especially yeah, if you is. work in the middle of the night. You sleep most of the night. I yeah. worked in the ER in the middle of the night, and I, I would transport patients to the, uh, to the radiologist, and they would set up all their x-rays and, and CTs and, and MRIs like right in a row, and you'd line them all up. They'd get them all done in about an hour or two. And they'd sleep the rest of the night. <laughs> yep. Yep. That way so, they can do radiology. It what a racket. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, uh, I went to, I started doing radiology. And then I started working for a pizza company called Topper's Pizza that's not here anymore. It's back on the East Coast. Um, and we delivered, we delivered a couple of pizzas to Kings Live Music here in Conway, Arkansas. And um, they were like, I was looking, I was like, you know, what's this? Like, it was new to me. And so I saw there's a big mirror in Kings, and it has, like, Kings, and it has, like, some, some like, marker stuff on it. And it said, Wednesday trivia night, Thursday karaoke night. Uh-huh. And so I asked, I was like, what what happens here? And I said, oh, yeah, these nights, like, we have this and that. And they said, you know, Wednesday's trivia night, Thursday's karaoke night, and there's cash prizes going away, like a $100 cash prize. And so I was like... In my head, because she didn't specify, she was, I was like, oh, man, like, if I sing karaoke and I do good, I get 100 bucks. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be there. <laughs> so there was one, it was a Thursday, because that's when karaoke is. 
I had called up and I was like, hey, what time does karaoke start? And they were like, oh, about 9.30. I was like, oh, okay, um, like, is it the $100 cash prize tonight? And she was like, oh, no, it's just trivia night. And I went, ah, I don't know. I was like, do I want to go now? There's no prize. I was like, I'll go just to see what, because right. I've never done karaoke before. It's only like on TVs and movies. I've seen it. So I went up there and I was like, all right, I can either do first song Michael Jackson and just have that imprinted in everybody's brain if I do good or I can do Prince because uh, I was like alright I'm going to do Prince sure. so I did um, I Would Die For You by Prince and so nobody knew me I was a new face I was usually just a face in the crowd basically because I didn't go out and do anything and so I went out there did karaoke I did Prince and made people that were talking be quiet and be like oh snap who's this and so I got off stage and people were like, man, that was, that was great. I was like, I was like eh, the vocals are not there. And so, like, they was like, but you, I mean, you sang good. Like, they did the whole little head shake, like, good. So, like, it was, like, good enough. And it was like, your dancing was great. And so it was, for most of my career, it was dancing is phenomenal. Singing is good. And so I was like, I got to make it to where my singing is just like that. And yeah, get that level up. Yeah, and so, like, you can ask... Uh, DJ that you that like the main DJ of Kings is Brock Fornis. He shout out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he um like he'll talk about you know from the first time he saw me. I was like nineteen, first time going to Kings, and now he says it's completely night and day in my voice. And anybody that asked, I've seen for years, they'd be like, yeah, when I first heard you singing something other than choir. It was it was good, but you had a lot of stuff, and like, I hear you now, and it's so much more. Like even me, like you're you're your own toughest critic. You are absolutely, and so like me, I'm like, oh, the singing could be better, but I know it's way better than it was when like in 2016, and so because high notes that I can hit now. Could never even dream of doing it back in the day because I was like, ah, oh, some high notes is tough to hit and I don't want to hit those and get out of breath and whoop de whoop de whoop or whatever hmm. and so like my range was very limited but um, I think a couple weeks ago I wanted to test my range and I got to a on the keyboard I think it was a G2 and all the way up to a G6 which is you know it's four numbers but you gotta think about it it's four different octaves so like a G2 is like low, maybe a bass, bass 2. Um, if anybody knows who Avi Kaplan is, it's probably like a mid-range of his range. Is that G2 and then that uh, G6 is high, like maybe mid-range of Mariah Carey, I guess, if she's singing a high note. Um, I, yeah, so like it's... It's crazy now because I could never dream of going low and I could never dream of going high whenever I was like starting out. And so people, like I said, people you ask will be like, yeah, it's night and day. There's but you a, were the bass and chorus, I, even in eighth grade. I was or for for a, a prepubescent kind of gotcha, child. Yeah, gotcha. I was like, because not a lot of people could hit bass. And so, because I was bass... I was bass two, which is the lowest in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And I went to ninth grade, and I went to a ten or two. So I went up two different voices. That's higher than. Yeah, that's higher than bass. And so, 
I stayed at tenor because for a tenor two, that that was my whole shtick was tenor two. From ninth grade till twelfth grade, I was tenor two. Even in uh, college choir, I was tenor two because people knew who exactly who I was in the tenor section because I went to state and it was from ACC the choir camp that I went to. People knew. Richard, it was like, oh man, like Richard's here. Yeah, I had a lot of, a lot of choir directors offer me scholarships to come sing in their choir, yeah. and I'll never forget a really amazing choir director. His name's Gary Morris. Um, he said one one day to like a group of choir directors, he said, every choir needs a Richard. Yeah. And so <laughs> that is high praise. Yeah, that was that was a lot of high praise. And so he he taught at uh, Arkansas Tech. And so I told him I was like, well, I want to do my first year at UCA, see how life is with college. And he said, go ahead, do that. Your next year, your sophomore year, whenever you're ready, just come. We'll talk about how much money you want, and I'll I'll give it to you. Mm. And so the choir director at UCA, Mr. Irwin. At the time, whenever I was like, you know, UCA is really just like a, a crash course for me. I want to do choir. I was like, I'm going to go ahead and do choir because I don't want to stop singing just in case, you know, me not singing for a year messes it up. Right. And so near the end of choir, I told him, you know, I told one of the I told one of the lead um, people, like the people up under Mr. Irwin, but it was still part of the choir. I was like, yeah, probably going to go to tech after this most likely because Mr. Morris is offering me money to go uh, and I'll, I'm going to take that money and I'm going to go and I yes, was like yeah that makes sense and so Mr. Irwin he called me one. he called me up one day he was like hey I need to talk to you I was like okay he's like so I heard you're planning on going to tech because Mr. Morris is you know offering you scholarship money mm-hmm. I was like yeah um, this is probably going to be my first and only year at UCA I'm going to continue my you know, radiology at tech, try to get my basics, and then, you know, wherever else. I want to get my degree first. He said, well, I really want you in this choir because you mm-hmm. are, like, I can tell you're going to be a leader. I can tell you're going to be a great addition to this choir, and I don't want to lose you. So you've been here for a year. I'm going to offer you scholarship money, and I'm going to offer you hopefully more than what Gary Morris offered you to stay. And I said, huh. Okay. I mean, all right. And I was like, all right. It's a bidding war. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, all right. And so uh, I told Mr. Morris, I was like, hey, um, I don't want I don't want you to think that I just forgot about you. Uh, Mr. Irwin, right. he offered me a scholarship and it's a high dollar. I don't know how much he was going to offer, uh, but this is how much he offered me. So I was going to, you know, just stay here for the time being. And so him not counter offering let me know that it was out of his price range for yes. tech because tech is a small school at UCA so I was like yeah so UCA has a little bit more money to throw at somebody so I was like alright I can roll with that and well so, just, to, just so people know geography Arkansas Tech University is in Russellville Arkansas yeah. about 45 minutes from your home of Conway Arkansas yes so, so there and uh, so it was I mean it was nice but uh, then it got to a, a point where I started not like feeling feeling school basically because like I just 
I just got out of high school and went straight into college. Some people can do that. I've had friends that went ahead and graduated in 2019 from college because they just stuck through it. Right. But for me, I was like, you know, high school, I was just tired and I didn't want to, I was just like, I just want to pass. I want to get my degree and be done with it. And then I got to college and I was like, all right, let me do it. And I didn't do good my first year at all. I was like, I don't like this. And so my second year kind of struggled. And I was like, yeah, I got to go. And so 2017, like the summer of 2017, I was like, yeah, I'm not going back. And I Is this year one or year two? What did you year graduate two. high school? 2015. 2015. So okay. 2017 was my year two. And I was like, yeah, I can't. I can't do it. And I was talking to a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And she talked me into She was like, yeah, you should take a break because mm-hmm. you want to do music. And you're trying to focus on music. And you can't focus on music and schools." heavy on your mind too mm-hmm. so she said take a break if music goes good stay with music for a little bit until it gets to a safe uh, steady pace and then go back and once it once you go back you'll be ready to go back to school to go ahead and finish it because you'll miss it which i do which is why i'm going back in the spring Excellent. and um it's music now is at a steady pace where i went out i made my mark in some places um actually about to talk to a guy in Hot Springs, Arkansas, at the Oak Lawn Racing Track, the casino, yes. and I'm going to uh, try to get a gig down there. So I'm trying to spread my name across Arkansas. That way, you know, even when I'm in school, I can still have gigs on the weekends. Um, and so I'm I'm at that steady pace now where enough people know my name. I've been a regular at some places singing a lot where they know me and they're like, all right, this is Deshaun, this is his band, mm-hmm. this is him, like he's good, like he doesn't have to prove himself here to get a show, even when he has school, like he'll have stuff going on, but he'll always have a place to come perform, Yes. and so that's what I want to work on, I want to work on my degree, and also my goal is to have a gig every weekend, I want to, maybe one one show a week, that's great, especially when I start school. Um, but two shows a week would be great. That way I could get paid more. But, sure. Um, yeah, the entertainment business, the money's good, can be good, but the work's not steady. you yeah. got to hustle. Yeah, uh, you do. Do you, do you have an agent of sorts, or are you doing this all on your own? I'm doing it all on my own because mm-hmm. I did have a, I quote, unquote, I did have a, an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It was <clears throat> it was temporary, so very temporary, so three sure. months, because, you know, I'm my mother's child, and she raised me enough to, like, you know, not just jump at something. Mm-hmm. And so it was an open mic uh, hosted by Fred Monkey Records at King's. Yes, and Fred Monkey's right down the street from King's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there were four people in the back, all in suits. And so it was me and my band at the time. Um, we performed three songs those people really liked us and I remember helping my pianist get his stuff like off the stage and the drummer he came back running into me he's like hey man these guys are outside they want to talk to us they say they want to represent us their agents like what do you want to do I was like calm down you know well what types of songs did you sing uh we sung Sam Smith uh we sung uh Sam Smith we did do Billie Jean Mm -hmm. and I can't remember the other song that we did but uh, it was enough to, like, get people on their feet. Nice. Um, and so, let me 
reply to that. And so um, they, we went outside, and like everybody else was excited, and I was like, all right, what do you, what do you want? Right. Because you're not just gonna say, hey, we want to represent you, and not want something back. So I said, uh, you know, what, what's the deal? What did you tell him? Can you tell me the same thing? And they were like, yeah, like we really liked your sound. Y'all are like great for especially an up and coming band. We're a new agency here in Central Arkansas. We want to represent you if you want us and we can get you gigs. We're already talking to venues um, for certain things. There's a lot of venues that want new music and we've promised them new music and we want you to be the front people. And so everybody was like, everybody else was like, oh man, like this is big, like our first live performance. They like us so much, everyone agent. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, all right. And I was like, well, y'all got a card? And they was like, yeah, they gave us a card. And so I was like, all right, cool. I will call you. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, all right, we're going to go back inside. Hopefully see you in there. I was like, all right, cool. So everybody else stayed outside with me. And they were like, are you going to call? I was like, yeah, I'm going to call. I mean, mm-hmm. any door open is a door to peek your head in, not go all the way through. Sure. And so, like, I wasn't excited about it because I wasn't going to get excited about something that could be nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I talked to my mom about it. And I was like, you know, what do you, uh, what do you want to do? And she said, you should see what they want, see what they're going to do, because no agent is just going to represent you for free. So you got to ask how much money they're going to take, right. what they want you to do in order for them to still like represent you, because this could be a whole sham. I was like, yeah, it could be. So I told the band, I was like, look, we're going to go up there because they want to hear us play in person. I'm going to go up there, play a song, see what they're talking about. And they want us to sign contracts. And so um, before we went up there, I called the dude who gave me his number. I was like, hey, can we have a sit down somewhere? Mm -hmm. So we went to Bear's Den here in Conway. And um, we sat down at the booth. And I asked him, I was like, look, don't. I told him straight up because I was like, I'm, I'm finna be super serious with you. I said, don't BS me right now. I came dressed prepared. You came dressed prepared. We're in nice shirts and ties. We're doing this business. This is not something where I'm just a, a you know a greenhorn to the game. Somebody new. I'm new to the music game, but I'm not new to people trying to play me around for something that I'm not. Sure. So I said, look, I know what I want. I know what the guys want. I just want to know what you're going to do to help us achieve that. And if you can't help us achieve that, then we're going to shake hands and we're going to go. But if you can help us, then we'll be one of your clients. And so he was he, he told me straight up. He said, you know, I wasn't somebody that uh he he was going to pin down as like somebody who knew their stuff and just was not going to be just super excited and just sign the contract. He said he thought he was going to have to like represent kids. I was like, I don't know about the rest of them. I said, but me, I'm not just, like I said, I'm not somebody to play around. And so we talked about it. He said what he wanted to do. He basically said that he wants us to, you know, perform and they'll take 10% of whatever we make um, to start out. And then once we get a little bit bigger, the percentage will rise, of course, a little bit to make money for them. I was like, all right, of course, every agency has to take a percentage, especially y'all probably got different jobs in the agency. Either that or you got other clients. So taking 10% from us is not 
big for for us nor y'all because y'all may have other source of incomes but mm-hmm. once we if we make it big to where we're selling out shows and making a thousand two thousand dollars hopefully you'll take a bigger cut because we're still going to get bigger cuts than you and so we got to a deal i was like all right we can do this temporarily i was like i'm gonna say three months i'm gonna talk to the guys and you're gonna talk to your guys if both of our groups can agree on three months of temporary to see what you can do for us and it goes well we'll sign a contract Mm-hmm. And so um, my coworker is calling me, and so uh, we we did that, and it didn't go all the way through three months. Uh, they gave us about two to three shows, and barely called us. And for those first three shows, they were they were good shows. Like we were like, all right, cool. But after that, uh, they stopped calling, and I was wondering why. So I talked to one person who helped play drums with us because the, the original drummer, he moved to Colorado. Mm-hmm. So we had people play drums for us. And he came, he had called me and talked to me. And I was like, yeah, I'm still waiting to hear from this certain agency to like uh, see what they're going to do. And he's like, oh, I heard from so-and-so that they are, they said they were not representing y'all no more. And I was like, who'd you hear that from? He's like, well, I heard that from this person who has ties with the group and they said that they weren't representing I was like oh this is news to me mm-hmm. they didn't call me they didn't call us and so I, ta- I told the band I was like hey they said that they're done with us and they were like did they tell you is this like something that you're trying to wait to tell us like no they do call me today and told me and so after that I was like yeah I don't we're not gonna use an agent I don't want to use an agent until it gets too much for me to handle because if I can go out and get shows by myself, then what do I need an agent for? And so far, everywhere I've been, I've done it myself. Like yes. Kings, TCs, Oakland, other places here in central Arkansas that I've been to is because I've taken the initiative myself to go out and get the job done myself to get my name out there and then them being like do you have a band yeah we do got a band we got three to four hours of worth of music whatever you need mm-hmm. so Richard, you're teaching people a little bit about the back part of the the music business how do you get the gigs and being with an agent and they said that they had were just starting out that might have been a good thing or a bad thing when you're just starting out you're hungry yeah. You, you want to do good for the people to make a name for yourself. So as an agent, they may have been better in getting you more gigs where they do the driving around the state, the calling around the state for you while you spend time in rehearsal and yep. writing songs or making songs or putting music together, putting the show together. They are helping you in that respect where they are getting the gigs for you now you say they they only got you three gigs but maybe see you could look at it both ways you can look at it from yeah you only went it halfway in put one foot in the door let me let me just do three months and see what happens or what if you would have signed the one year contract 10 percent for them and they would have gotten you you know two gigs a week three gigs a week whatever fit into your schedule you know, you know, there's a lot of what ifs there. But at this level in the game, 
you doing it on your own because I do it on my own too and I've had an agent in in South Florida where yeah. they got me a lot of gigs and they took a little piece off of it or I got myself almost the same amount of gigs and kept it all yeah now that's the there's two sides to that coin and you're willing to do the work where you go out and hustle and get yourself the gigs and then you get a bigger piece of the pie and yeah and in 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 some respects of it yes um but even if i go out and do the work i still take the smaller cut from payment because me just being the lead singer of the band i have less to in my mind to remember like in a i mean in a in a band you know i was talking about this last night with a friend like the the uh drums is the core the bass is like the the surface surrounding the core the guitar and the the keys if there is keys is the crust and like the lead guitar is the atmosphere you can have a planet with all that you don't have to have somebody there to tell a story but being a, a singer i like to tell a story with what i do like like I said earlier, I move across the stage. I don't just stand in one place. And I feel like me moving across the stage helps tell whatever story of whatever song I'm singing, whether it be Tennessee Whiskey, where you're really thinking of me singing to a girl about you know whatever's in the song, or a song like Uptown Funk, where I'm just like singing something that's upbeat and fun, and I wanted you to you know be entertained. Yeah. Um, but it it uh, I'll still take that smaller cut because. I don't have to sit down someplace and do the hard work that a bassist may have to do, do or a guitarist have to do, or a drummer has to do. And I take note of that. I'm not, because a lot of musicians will still take a cut or even a bigger cut because they'd be like, oh, well, you know, they're coming to see me, so I'm going to take that pay. Like, even though my name's at the front of the band, you're still, I still want y'all to know that y'all are value and I respect y'all. You are a benevolent boss, Richard Deshaun, <laughs> uh, Washington. You know, I think you're selling yourself short as a front man because a band without a front man is a jam band, okay? And yes, yeah. you can listen to a jam band for a while. If you're at a festival, they'll be jamming in the background. But without that front man, without, without David Lee Roth, without Bruno Mars, without Prince, without Michael Jackson, what is that band, man? Yeah. Without James Brown in front doing his thing, what is that band? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it may not be, it, it wouldn't be the band that it is without those people. But for the time being, for now, I want to, you know, especially for people that want to join my band or anything like that, I don't want them to think that I'm going to be selfish and just take a big cut. Like, I could take... The I could equal the amount and be like, all right, 500 divided by five, that's 500 per person. But if, say, because there's been shows where we make like 400 bucks from the pay and like 93 bucks in tips, I'll take that 93 bucks and give everybody else 100 bucks. Even though it is seven bucks, like that, that, that seven bucks does go a long way besides being just split up by five and not being... You know, a hundred bucks, because seeing a hundred bucks just fall in your hand is big. And it doesn't matter if it was like 
anything above 80 bucks if we get paid 400 bucks for the show i will take that but if it's like 75 bucks or 70 i will like all right we need to split something in half <laughs> i'll still take a little less but we're getting it, deep into the monetary yeah uh, you know i think uh, you, you all should be getting paid fifty thousand. how about that <laughs> go to verizon arena and, and be in front of fifty thousand people because i would love I think that great, that's what that's what we're striving for goals man goals but, um you're at this level of the game you're starting out you're okay we've gotten out of high school we're we're well off to college and and uh we're taking putting college on hold how does moms feel about that she's i mean she's fine with it at first she was you know questioning it because a lot of people that say they're going to go back to college don't go back to college and so but she was at first she was like she doesn't know she doesn't feel right about it but then she saw that me going out doing this music was making me a lot happy happier than I was just being going to school and coming back and then just having a lot to study and remember and doing stuff that I did not want to do at the time and so like she's fine with it now she supports me in all my shows and whatnot and I told her I was going back to finish it and she was like all right you know yes Go ahead. I fully believe that you will if that if that need does arise. Yeah. Has she gotten a chance to see your shows? Yeah, she comes to almost all of my shows. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so that's 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 nice. Um, always nice to have a parent that supports. Yeah. Um, how's the little bro doing? He's he's a, he's a handful. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna be honest, he's, he's a handful. I'm sure he's he's what is he just in high school now? I guess. Uh, middle, middle school. school, yeah, middle, middle school. school. He's uh, seventh grade. Seventh, seventh grade, man. So. Hey, you guide him. You you show him by example. And yeah. you're a hardworking man. You have a a steady day job, a gig. Uh, I call I call that the insurance job because yeah. a lot of times performers don't get insurance. That's for sure, uh, you know. So you have to have that medical benefits uh, of some sort. Yeah. So you're hard working, man. And so, where are you at now? Uh, what was the first band that you started off in that they tried to sign you with? And then, how many of those people do you still work with? Uh, first band I started with, we ended up calling ourselves I wasn't a big fan of the name but they were all playing around and was like we should name this band and at the time I didn't have no other names to be like to just counter offer and be like let's name it this but first band was called Apartment 208 okay which was at, at like later on I was like oh that's pretty catchy even made a logo for it I was like alright it'd be cool because when I think of band names I think about like somebody announcing us alright come to the stage and I was like apartment 208 I was like that's unique that's something different <laughs> yeah. okay I had to learn to love it sure what but kind of music were you playing at this point we were playing everything that we could a lot uh, of, like a party band like, a like, lot of covers yeah yeah and we were trying to write originals but we could never I could never get them to sit down enough to be like, hey, let's focus on this. Because every time we would like, we would practice a song, the next 10 minutes after practicing that song would be them being like, oh, we should play this song. Oh, no, we're going to play this song. And everybody just basically jamming. And me just sitting there being like, all right, we need to get to get back to practice. But it's changed since then. But um, that was the first band. And then I went to uh, me and Nick Bello. He was a he was just somebody that one of the people that I uh, started the band with. He asked to come and jam and be a part of the jam session. That person that asked me is no longer in the band, 
but the person that he invited has been in the band ever since. Um, yeah, Nick Bellow's a keyboardist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was there since twenty like twenty sixteen, um, and then twenty seventeen we started playing a little bit more. Uh-huh. And then uh, what kind of gigs? Uh, just basically just small open mics. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically that. Did you open get back mic- to Kings? You can shout out all the yeah. We I mean venues maybe we did we did some. we did Kings. Um, <clears throat> no paying gigs. Yeah, uh, we did Hogs. Yeah, we did Hogs Blues Cafe. They paid us. Oh, nice. But um, that was when like some of the band was still together. I bet that felt better having a little a little money in your pocket. Yeah, it was a couple bucks. You know? Yeah, it did. It did. It was different because <laughs> our first time being paid was yeah. like a new experience that we didn't want to leave. But uh, I made money for singing. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the uh, Nick is the only person that whenever I first was like. When I first formed my own band, uh-huh. well, I was like, yeah, he, he's been there ever since. And so he, like, whenever, like, if everybody else can't do a certain gig that's, like, maybe, like, 30-minute gig for, like, a fundraiser or something because they, they're working or whatever, he'll always be the one to be like, yeah, let's let's do it. Like, we have a... He's got a little drum beat on his keyboard. He can yeah, click yeah. <laughs> if he needs to. And so... Um, yeah, he's he's been the the main one. And hey, we, big ups to the drummers. I'm sorry, I didn't want to take you out of a job. <laughs> it, the drum, the drummers is very it's the most important <laughs> part of the band. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a long ride, and we're we're still trying to. So it's and you and Nick Bello now. Me, Nick Bello, uh, guitarist Aaron Reynolds, uh, drummer Brandon Short. Our basses changes out frequently okay um, okay uh for the main one that's been playing with us has been blake boss okay uh b-o-s-t and but uh the past two concerts that we had we had joey fanstar I play joey, uh, yeah. bass for us which is a, he's a great amazing musician mm-hmm. um but yeah that's the only thing that's not permanent in the band is the basis because you know Every, any any basses a lot of musicians will know it's hard to find a basses because once somebody finds a basses they try their hardest to keep them and so most most musicians are in with different bands until they make it big with one of them right um so so what's the name of your band now this incarnation uh, and when did that start uh deshaun and the electric current this I like it yeah <laughs> we uh, the, i came up i came up with the name uh because I heard a lot of people, like, a, a lot of adjectives to describe whenever I got up on stage was, like, shocking and electrifying and woo do woo woo and, like, whenever I saw, I'm a big fan of WWE, and so uh, The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, his nickname is the most electrifying man in sports entertainment, and I was like, I was like, I want to be electrifying like him. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And, and so, uh And so they were... Um, I was thinking to it one time. I was like, well, if I shock people and, you know, give them electric vibes or whatever, it should be something electric. Like, I want something that's going to be like an electric name. I was like, all right, Deshaun and the Electric Current. And so every time I ran it by people, like, they was like, that's a great name. Like, that's yeah, boom. I see logos. I see throwbacks maybe to the 60s with the, the, the lightning tie, the lights, strike, the tie yeah. guy, tie-dyes and things. Oh, and I, so. Yeah. 
This yeah. is all things that you had growing up, even in your summer camp with the the '60s thing with the frog stock. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so. it's, it's everything. Everything's just it's just leading into one big melting pot, really. Yes. Um, and I take everything from you know when I was little to now, absolutely to present to just like mold that into something that I want to make to better myself because like I don't want to. I don't want to always be a cover band. I don't always want to be that person where they're like, oh, Deshaun was famous in his hometown. Or yeah. like just... He you was can just, make a good living as a cover band. It, yeah, you it, can. It weddings and parties and, you know, bar mitzvahs. Yeah. Where are my Jews at? <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> but that's, that's... That's not me. Uh, like, it's it would be nice to do that, but there's a whole bunch of cover bands out there. Yep. And not they they can all sound the same. The singer can you know be different, have a different kind of way of singing. Yes. But because uh, I just saw a cover band the other week, and they were singing a lot of the same songs that I sing. Right. But differently, they had horns. We don't have horns, and they had eight, ten people in their band. I only have five in mine. So like, I want to be the type of person where I can make a song go to an arena sell it out and the first few chords of the song before i even start singing everybody knows what's going on and right before i sing a note everybody's already singing the song for me like there's a scene in bohemian rhapsody um where he's singing uh uh, freddie's singing a song i can't remember the name of the song yeah but it was a real concert everything was based on truth yeah and whenever he was starting to sing a song. He didn't even get the first notes out, and the whole crowd had yes. their like lighters up, and they were singing the song word for word in unison. Yes. And he didn't have to sing that. So he didn't even sing that song, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. Yeah, he didn't sing that song. The whole crowd sung it to him, and even watching that gave me chills because I was like, "That's what I want." That is what you want. Yeah. Are you writing songs? Yeah, I'm writing songs. Um, you have lyrics. I got you have an idea of what rhythms you want. Yeah, it's 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 a process, especially like not. I'm finna start learning to um, play bass. That way, I can start making better. Like whenever I'm with the band, I can be like, all right, this is what the bass line is gonna be. Right now, we need to build around it. Or even um, if you have a little MIDI keyboard and a computer, you yeah. could, you could make your own demos where you could take this back to the band and say. Hey man, I came up with this last night. I woke up in a nightmare and uh, I had to write this down. I, you know, the artists that I've been talking to on this podcast, a lot of them, that's the through line. They'll be driving down the street and, oh, I got to pull over and just record something on my phone, uh, you know, with my voice to, to remind Tell me what it yeah. was because I had a great idea while I was driving. Or I woke up in the middle of the night and, oh, I have a recorder next to my bed so I can record something. Yeah. Are, are, what are the what influences you or what's the the style that you have for writing? Uh I usually like I said earlier, I like to tell a story. Yes. And so before I make any like song even before I write any lyrics, um somebody told me once like every song should answer a question. And so the title of your song and the the whole song should answer a question no matter what question it is it should answer that question and so my question every time is what am i trying to portray and so i'll think of like if i was to make a song 
what scenario could I do and make it a music video? And then I think of scenarios I do, and then it's like I go. That's through. very '80s, man. The, yeah. the, the bands in the '80s used to think of lyrics a lot of times on how I can make this into a music video. Yeah, because MTV was huge. Yeah, you know, and now they don't even play videos, do they? Not a lot. <laughs> but I start to think I'll be like, you know, I'll be like, all right, so this can happen, and then I'll be talking to this person like this. Now an hour-long conversation needs to be condensed into three to four minutes. Yes. And so that's when I'll be like, all right, there's a melody in my head, and then I'll just do the bass line. And I'll do the bass line first, and then I'll sing over the bass line. I'll record it on my phone, and then I'll play it, and I'll be like, all right, what fits, what makes... Because I don't want to say a lot and repeat the same stuff. I want something that's catchy. So with that sure. bass line, I would do that. So do you kind of hum the bass line since you don't play the bass line? I, well, I have a keyboard oh, in you, my... Oh, yeah. you know how to play a little. Yeah, so I have a keyboard in my garage, and um, uh, there's, a, there's a program on it where there's a bass, uh, electric bass, yes. and so I'll play that on there whenever I'm thinking of something. Like, I'll be in the house, and I'll hear something. I'll be like, oh, well, you know, there's that bass line. I want to change it and make it my own bass line. That way, it's unique and just mine. And so I'll go outside and I'll fill around with it, and then that's that's how I go about it. So, man, do you have anything written fully or anything that you produced yet, or uh, something that's about to happen? I have two songs made. Uh, one called "Little Time," yes. uh, and then another one called "What's Become of Me." Are they out uh, there? Yeah, they're out there on iTunes and Spotify. Oh, they're out there. You yeah. got stuff. How do yeah. they find them? iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Under what name? Uh, Deshaun, just Deshaun, D-E-S-H-O-N. I got uh, to find the link. I'll put it in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, as we're rounding this out, or we're, what's next on the horizon for Deshaun and the electric current? Uh, and Deshaun, the person as well. Uh, Well, as far as the band goes, um, we're still doing shows. Um, basically, I have drove to Hot Springs I think about a week ago yes. and I did a showcase like a little talent showcase it wasn't nothing big but when I got up there on and performed the people that were running it and uh, the people that do the entertainment booking they recorded me and put me on the Oakline Casino Horse and Racing Facebook page and said Fantastic. if you're not in Hot Springs you don't know what you're missing and so I've was uh, that you in the band or just you went me. solo? Yeah, okay. just me because it was it was a showcase and I couldn't just bring the whole band because it would have been a it was a piano a pianist and a guitarist and so it was just kind of like a was, more it, was it Cliff thing. and Susan? Yes, Cliff and Susan. Yeah, I it was Cliff them, and Susan. Man. I want to get them on the podcast. Shout out Cliff and Susan. <laughs> And oh. so I went down there, and it was it was fun. Like and even Brie Ogden, I know they work together too. Yeah, I haven't seen Brie in a while. It has been a while. She's going. She's going. Yeah, she's she's going out there. She's great. Um, but uh, yeah. So hopefully the person that uh, does the booking down there, I will be. Um, he called me today, but I wasn't able to answer. I was asleep. I ain't gonna yes. lie. But I try to call him back, so I'm gonna see if I can call him after this. And I do gotta. I'm getting my brother in like five minutes, but um. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm gonna go pick him up. Uh, but for me myself, uh, I'm still trying to. I'm gonna go get you know get my degree, uh, but I'm also trying to explore the world, but also putting my name out there because anytime like even if I'm on like vacation, um, like I went I went to Miami uh, this past. 
this past uh, April. Hey, my and, house. <laughs> my hometown. And uh, I did karaoke down there. I was on a cruise, uh, Carnival Cruise Lines. Cool. We went to Cozumel, Mexico. And I did karaoke on there and did a karaoke competition and got tied for first. Yes. And when I came back, I went to Oakland with my family and I had a Carnival hat on. And uh, there were some people from the cruise line and they recognized me. And they was like, hey, are you... Are you Deshaun from the cruise ship? And there's like 3,000 people on a boat. And they were like, yeah, yeah, that's Deshaun. That's the singer. And <laughs> that's so, the like, I was You're like. You're already getting internationally known. Yeah, I was, like, I was like, wow, like, you remember me from the ship? I'm like, yeah, like, oh, like, your singing and dancing was incredible. Because anywhere I go, like, because I went to uh, Destin, Florida last year. And even though we were, I was on a family vacation, I was like, I want to see if there's any karaoke spots while we're here that I can go to. And there was. And so I went. And anywhere I go, I try to perform my best and make people be like, where did you come from? And everywhere I go, it's, it's that same question. Like, where did you come from? Where are you from? What do you do? Like, do you do this as a professional? And I'm like, yeah. And I'll tell them about me and they look me up. And that's how I spread my name. Um, I just got to find a better way to make it stick. Because just going to karaoke bars is not sticking as well because right. it's just anybody could go to a karaoke bar it's just the luck of the draw if you make that that one night where somebody bigger than you know just a regular old joe is there can actually push your music or you in, in general so that's as we're spending our, i know you got only a couple minutes left and, and yes I, I tell the people how to connect with you, Richard Deshaun Washington? Uh, just just how I said my name, just on Facebook. Uh, you can type that in R A S H A R D, and then Deshaun Washington. Um, Deshaun the Electric Current Band is on Facebook. You can follow me on like Instagram, Deshaun ninety six D E S H O N. Uh, it's it's. I mean, I'm always at Kings. I'm actually DJing Kings tonight in Conway, Arkansas for karaoke. Yeah, I'll put this up really quick so yeah, people so will hear it. If y'all want to come through and see, you know, whole different types of singers, that'll be, you know, be nice. Uh, come say hey. I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm a real chill guy. Like y'all probably on this whole podcast, you're probably like, well, he, you know, he doesn't really raise his voice a lot. I don't. I'm just a real <laughs> laid back guy. Um, but you've had a life story so far yeah. in your young life. I mean, how old are you? 22. 22 years old. And you've, you've had some life experience. Yeah. You've had some pain and you've had some, some happy times, man. So there's life experience that you could draw from to create. And you're making songs. And you have a tattoo of a microphone <laughs> so it, and, a, and a, a treble bass. And so, or a little treble clef, I guess. Yeah, what treble clef. So, see, I'm not... I, I, as, as long as I've been in music, I, I don't I don't read music. But it's you have tattoos, and, which means it's, it's tattooed on your body. It it is a part of you, Deshaun. Yes. So I mean, with the last little bit of time that you have, man, you can tell people whatever you want. It's uh, I only got like two minutes. Okay. Because uh, my mom keeps messaging me. I see it on my watch. But uh, oh, that's yeah. that's another thing. You can tell people how 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 you can make some money off of them. Uh, you yeah. Know, with your day job. And yeah. If you want to come T-Mobile. <laughs> there you yeah, go. If you want to come T-Mobile, get some uh, some lines. I'll Which get, T-Mobile? Uh, the the one on Amity by Sam's Club. Come over there. I'll hook you up. Just let me know you 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 heard me on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess if if I leave off with anything. Uh, it's just 
no matter what you're doing, especially with music, if if you're not happy to wake up and do it, then you shouldn't do it. Uh, music is tough. It's hard because you don't know. You don't know when you're going to find your next job. You don't know if you're going to get paid for it. But uh, it is a passion that most people don't get to do. Like You'll see a lot of people on reality shows like American Idol or America's Got Talent or X Factor of the Voice where auditions don't go the way they want or they hear their self sing and this is something that they've been told their whole lives that they can do and they get in front of people and it says they can't. Uh, and most of the people that say they can do it are just real close friends that haven't heard nobody else or close family members and then you finally get the chance to go out into public to sing and then you realize that it's not what you're looking forward to. That's my mom calling now. So I guess before I get off, the last thing I should say is if you want to go out and do something, if you're passionate about something, go do it. And if you're, if it gets to a point where you're doing it for so long and then it's just comes aboard, then it's not the right thing for you. You need to find something that day or night, free or paid, you would want to do it because I'm doing it right now. I'm going through the the phase of finally getting paid to do something and I had to go through what people don't understand is doing it for free. So that's yeah, that's all I gotta say. My mom is calling me right now. <laughs> let me let me answer this real quick. You better answer the phone. Yeah. It's your mom's calling. <laughs> Well, there you have it, party people. Richard Deshaun Washington, his journey from being little baby Richard all the way to being Deshaun, the star of the show, the front man, Deshaun and the Electric Current. Find them. Go see a live show. Check them out wherever you can. Follow the links. I'll try to put them, put them here in the show notes. Well, I, I will put them in the show notes. So wherever you're listening, look for the show notes, and you'll find all the links on how to get a hold of Deshaun and find out where Deshaun and the Electric Current will be performing next. Oh, yeah. Do it. <laughs> He's a good follow, and he's a good guy. He's definitely a good a good fella to get to know. And he, you're right, he's had some hardships, and and he was saying that he, he's pretty even keeled, stays calm for the most part. Hey, everybody has good days and bad days, but if you could just swim right through it, man, it looks like he's making it through this life and doing good, man, and and he's following his dreams. Uh, you know, it, he's he's picking out jobs that that work with his schedule, and and that's that's great that T-Mobile works with his schedule and allows him to be the creator that he is, to be the performer that he is, and catch a performance of Deshaun near you. Thank you, Rashard Deshaun Washington, for being on the What Makes You Famous program. If you'd like to tell your story. I encourage you to give me a call at 501-470-6386 or email info at RadioWhat.com. That's it for this edition of What Makes You Famous. It's Keys Dan, RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. Radio What, the music you want with some great, great quotes. Experience is that marvelous thing that enables you to recognize a mistake when you make it again, Franklin Jones.
the music you want, RadioWhat.com. This is Keys Dan. And this is Shelly G. And you're listening to RadioWhat.com. Radio What. 